Welcome, Guardians. It's November 6th and 7th, 2016, and you're listening to Ghost Stories, a Destiny podcast. This is episode 43. Uh, today we're finishing up our look at Crotazen, the raid from Destiny's first expansion, The Dark Below. Tonight we're talking about Crota himself, um, whatever your opinions of him may be, weapons, armor, and all the other stuff that, that drops from the raid. So uh, prepare yourselves for the Crotation. Uh, I'll be your <laughs> I'll be your fire team leader uh, tonight. We're we're short one X-ray, so uh, this is of course Elder Scrolls Five Sky Ratchet or Gabble Ratchet. <laughs> I was just playing Skyrim as we started up this call, and uh, the sounds of of my Draugr Overlord summons shouting at some enemies that were shouting back at them was making everybody laugh a minute ago. So. Uh, but joining me today, I have Sherbcraft. <laughs> How's it going? It's going good. I, I've spent a bit of time in Skyrim as well this past week. It's just been exciting getting all that done. Haven't played. So I'm going to assume these names are all references to games we've we've played fairly recently. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I. I not that long ago, I played Minecraft. I'm assuming that's what Sherbcraft is. <laughs> is based <laughs> off. Oh, Did build a Galahorn in Minecraft <laughs> a while back. <laughs> um, no, it's the past week's just been playing Skyrim, actually. Which is, yeah, I haven't played Destiny in a while. I'm going to this week. There, is that better? <laughs> the Elder Sherb V. That's <laughs> a Skyburn <laughs> pop. <laughs> this Elder and, Sherb uh, doesn't sound great. <laughs> yeah. I will just go with it. Yeah, Too go bad. with it. I also, I also totally don't get this next one. But um, that would be Drop Band Rivals. It's because Rivals was an expansion for Rock Band. That just came out. Oh. Is that a new one? Okay. I, haven't, I haven't played a Rock Band game since Rock Band 3 came out. Yes. I thought it was important to support the folks who I am still friends with and used to work with back at Harmonix. So. Totally. Even play the glorious solos of Rock Band The plastic instrument uh, market is doing well again. I don't know if it is. I have no idea. I can't. But I know they're also yeah. working on or getting ready to release Rock Band VR. And okay. from, from what I've heard about it, it seems like a, a, a new sort of unique take on Rock Band. So. I get. I mean, so okay. Does that actually mean you're wearing the thing, and and what you're seeing is you actually being up on stage in the band? Yeah. That well, that was one of the weird things that it all happens in first person. Okay. So like you can look down and see the guitar in your arms, uh, the <laughs> Oculus, the little Oculus controller things, clipped uh-huh. to the neck of the guitar to track the guitar in space, time and space, or wherever wherever it is. In oh VR. wow. Okay. So if you're like really rocking out, you're actually rocking out that way in game. Yep. Nice, nice. So, like, is that a all your rock and roll fantasies? Not a multiplayer. I have no idea. It doesn't seem. It like would be it funny be if you had four people. If you <laughs> had four people standing in the band formation, but they all had VR headsets on. Because that's that's <laughs> just how you play rock band anyway. Is <laughs> four people standing on instruments in a living room. Yeah, but at least they can see each other and know how ridiculous they look. Yeah, whereas with the VR, it's kind of. Yeah. Okay. That sounds really cool. Though. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. 
Um, our question of the week, we had a question of the week, even though it's not written here, and it's, oh. are we ever going to do Ignored Lore again? Oh. And the answer to the question is, sure, at some point. Yes. The answer is, <laughs> as soon as we write an episode that's not three hours long <laughs> and can afford to spare some time at the beginning. In order for it to be Ignored Lore, we have to ignore it for a little while. That's right. We gotta let some of that stuff get old, and we have to forget about we have to, it. We have to ignore it for a bit before we'll it to be ignored. What's well, actually interesting? I was thinking about ignored lore recently because the way that they've shifted light levels on gear. You know, once you're really once you're past three eighty five in the game, now it just becomes like muscle memory to delete every single blue and green engram you get. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so many of them, so that's all pretty well ignored. But they've also not added a lot of the year three drop tables are not activated in a lot of the engrams, so it's all stuff that we've been seeing for a long time. Yeah, like are there year three greens? I don't know. I mean, every time I decrypt a heavy engram, no matter what color it is, it just seems like it's... Deluvian, 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 yeah. Deluvian, Deluvian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks. But not really. Well, I think it's been, I'm fairly certain that it's been acknowledged that the year two guns decrypting from legendary engrams is not supposed to be happening. That it's supposed to be year three Vanguard and Crucible guns instead of year oh. two Vanguard and Crucible guns. And so hopefully that's going to change soon. And so we'll start getting new stuff that we then delete. But <laughs> yeah. I hope so. I've played so little Crucible that I have, don't even have any idea what the new Crucible guns even look like. All that matters is Palindrome. That seems to be the general consensus when it comes to these new weapons. Yeah. I mean, I ran um, I ran a couple cards of, of Trials this weekend, getting in on the Spooky Trials. And, uh, yeah, which actually means I should shout out to, to Jar Mangoes and Nate because I'd never been seven and seven wins before oh nice so that was cool um we actually had then it, it turned out from it went from an amazing experience to an awful one because <laughs> mangoes got ddosed like in our eighth game yeah like he could he could no longer access the internet in any capacity for like 30 to 45 minutes oh my god that's ridiculous. while it was it was flooding his router yeah um but uh, you know i got the the festival of the lost trials emblem which is really why i wanted oh, nice. to do it and then oh that's for, the half closed eye one right the mean looking yeah. eye yeah, and then since we got seven wins, I got the fusion rifle, which is pretty pretty sweet. Because um, I oh, love yeah. fusion rifles. So I, I did a raid with Mangoes, and he mentioned that you, because I think somebody else got one too. And yeah, some, well, I think it's the guaranteed seven win drop. You just you get the oh, fusion rifle. Yeah, an amazing roll on it. Jeez. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty sweet. Is that going to replace your uh, the raid fusion rifle? Ether Nova. I don't know. See, so the thing I love about the raid, the raid fusion rifle, is um, how quickly it regens your abilities with yes. army of one and army of two, and so I don't know. Um, it'll it'll be one that re- gets rotated in and out for sure. I've been trying to get better with Ether Nova on my warlock just to support my grenade spam build. Yes, <laughs> never-ending grenades. Um, thanks. Nope, no thanks. We have no thanks. 
thank nobody this week. <laughs> yeah, who do we? Uh, I, I don't know. Thanks, oh, X-Ray, for not being here. Oh, that's sad. That's harsh. He <laughs> will hopefully, maybe, potentially join in in the middle of this episode. That's no. I want to thank. Uh, oh, Nightmare Ian. Uh, for running that lovely script that cleaned out our Slack chat. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. if you're part of the Slack chat, this is already in the welcome message, but it's not a hosting service. <laughs> so we were we were pretty pretty backed up uh, in our Slack chat. So he runs a wonderful little script that cleans it all out for us, and then he goes back into like whatever his he's got like some fortress of solitude he hangs out in <laughs> it's in he, florida yeah he flies in to rescue us and then flies back there <laughs> <laughs> pretty much yep yep announcements wise um if you're on xbox and you want an iron gallerhorn or iron what is that Gallar thing wing. called that i don't use Gallar wing. Gallar wing code um yeah do the DGS Iron Stuff hashtag. What is it? They're supposed to tell us something they like about the show and use that hashtag, and we're going to do a drawing. We were, we ended up being given another set of codes, and they also ended up being Xbox codes. So we can now have potentially four winners on Xbox only. On Xbox only. Yeah. Or you can get free exotic shards if that's your thing. <laughs> is that a thing? Is that a? Th- I don't understand. That you could get the code for the iron gallerhorn and then just dismantle it. Oh, yeah. Why not? <laughs> I mean, it's only outclassed by sleeper, raise lighter, and dark drinker. At this point, everything's outclassed by dark drinker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially uh, that exotic dagger. Ah, uh, I don't even know why it's a thing. I'm not even going to call it a sword. It's not. <laughs> Sorry, Kex. Yeah. No one loves your sword. <laughs> Let's see. We have a couple of little corrections and additions. Okay, um, yeah. yeah. I wanted to bring up this one because I had this thought before we recorded last week and then completely forgot to put it in the notes and then completely forgot to mention it. Um, but since we had also talked about mechanics and raids that are similar to mechanics and other raids um when we talked about the weight of darkness and the stills encounter um you know the the it struck me at one point that the siege engine is actually basically the stills 2.0 uh it's a mad dash across a twisty path with an overwhelming number of ads and something that makes you go slower so i thought that was neat that's true uh, yeah and it's not just ads in general like at least at the beginning it's it's the same as this the stills it's like you get the lowest mm-hmm. level like lowest tier of ads mm-hmm. they're just in insane numbers and it's only once you get to the end you start getting <laughs> the insane numbers of captains at the end yeah. the, the insane number of shock grenades falling out of the sky yeah yeah, yeah. or you know the the tank <laughs> that's there now in hard <laughs> i feel the tank is almost like a non-threat though most of the time those grenades man yeah they are the worst they are the but worst. hey dark drinker dark drinker is is the truth 
of this raid. <laughs> Not like the rocket launcher truth. Like it is just literally the truth. True. It's, it's the, the thing. It's it. Should be using. Um, I also noticed, and I, I, I so I ran a I ran a Kurtisan the other night. <clears throat> Actually, after Mangoes got got DDoSed, and 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 we went through that that hour of of salt, mm-hmm. and we just needed to cleanse ourselves. The three of us ran. Um, a, we just ran a Kurtisan just for laughs. Nice. So it was like super perfect. So yeah, in the at the end of the Thrallway, in that room with that chest, if you go fast enough, there's an Oryx statue. I never knew that. There's an Oryx statue in there. That's cool. Um, Yeah, it looks down over the chest, treasure chest, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And we had no way of knowing what that was until the Taken King. Correct. Because there's no identification or anything like that. It's just when you scan the statue on the Dreadnought, it tells you that it's Oryx. And then you can go, oh, hey, that looks exactly like that statue in Korda's End. So that's cool. Uh, And then... The correction that, that was on me was the lyrics that I quoted from the song Whispers of the Dark were from the wrong song Whispers in the Dark. <laughs> so the lyrics I quoted were by a band called Skillet that I've never heard of, but I got tweeted at a whole lot. That was like, ah, uh, that's a Skillet song. Wait, is it this? Oh. the song has the same name but different same lyrics? Same name. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Same name, totally different song, totally different style of music. And uh, so, yeah. Oops. My bad. There you go. I just, I swiftly Googled lyrics, Whispers in the Dark, not knowing there was another song, and just looked at the first hit, and whoops. <laughs> but hey, oh well. But happens. hey, that's what the corrections are for. That's right. Did I mention the looking up from the final drop and seeing the mark of the hidden in the last episode? Nope. I don't I remember. I think so. You did, you did not. Oh. So right where you're talking about, uh, mm-hmm. if you drop down that hole and then back up and look straight up, the architecture of that space creates the mark of the hidden that appears on a lot of the Eris class items. The I feel like that emblem has been brought up so many times in the last couple of years, since we've been doing these in, in Slack. Yes. Um, because there's been so much talk and question so many questions and some people wondering if if that actually refers to Ikora's hidden or if that's just some other title that Eris has because she hid down there for so long or what the significance of that emblem might actually be if anything because yeah, there, there's mark of the hidden there's curse of the hidden there's all these different references and it's like how is hidden being used and it's been interesting you know I think when we first started doing the dark blow and Crotus and we're like, oh, we're just going to sort of blow through this. It's going to be a bunch of year one stuff. It's going to be fond memories and talking about things. But it has incited some insane conversations in the Slack chat. Yeah. Uh, even just with people just now discovering sort of all the weird loopholes that existed and how some of the story parts don't make sense. And it's like setting a whole new uh, like generation of people's minds on fire for like, but what if it makes sense this way? And how come it doesn't make sense this way? And so it's it's interesting to see new people's takes on this stuff that we've been talking about for a while now, uh, sort of with and without context and where the information is coming from. We've also taken a lot of heat for making fun of the first Crow to Fire team 
and maybe not giving them as much credit as certain people think they might be due. But uh, I think we've been doing it right. (laughs) (laughs) And people still trying to convince me that Toland is a villain. He's not. Oh, yeah. There's there has been a lot of Toland hate. Yeah. That's okay. Like, like I said in the Slack chat, everyone's welcome to their opinion, even if it's the wrong one. <laughs> All right, so when we last left off on the show, we had talked about how hilarious it is to fight Ir Ute now because he just gets vaporized by Ray's lighter. Uh, yes. <laughs> and also grenades and horseshoes making your life miserable. So that will take us right up to the Crota encounter, which doesn't happen immediately. We sort of had to stand on top of uh, that soul crystal to do it. But we've got a lot of entries here on some background on who Crota himself is. Do we want to do this after we talk about the encounter or talk about it sort of leading up who we're going to be facing right now? Hmm. Let's do the background first. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Crota, son of Oryx. Uh, this is when this dropped. We sort of didn't have a lot of context for this gigantic sort of hive backstory. It didn't exist. There were no books of sorrow. Like we only knew that it's Crota, and he's a hive god, and he's the son of this other hive god, Oryx. But then Taken King gave us a ton of background, like this entire history and story of the Hive and Oryx and his sisters, and that also includes his children, uh, Crota being one of them. So this we is have where like we get. 14 hours of podcasts covering exclusively the Books of Sorrow. We certainly do, and we have a <laughs> lot of talk in those episodes about Crota as well. Uh, so there's we got some entries from the Books of Sorrow here that we pulled out that are relevant to Crota and a couple of other things. We can jump into these real quick. Uh, The first one we have here is verse 4-6, Eater of Hope, which is also one of Crota's names. Crota, my son, welcome. I fought my way out of hell to make you. I fought the traitor siblings, and I fought the swarming corpse of Akka, and I cut my way back to my own court, the High War, which had been usurped. Once I had made war on Savathun and crippled her tribute so that she could never challenge me, and once I had tricked Jivuarath and poisoned her tribute that she could never again try to take my tablets, and once I had arranged my own lineages so that I would be the greatest among the hive and secure on my throne, then I found a mother to make spawn. One of those spawn was you. Your life will be a battle too. You will have to win your place at the high war. I will give you nothing. Except this, your first sword, and this name I have prepared for you. We fight a war against false hope, Crota. We chase a god called the Traveler, a huckster god who baits young life into building houses for it. These houses are unsafe, for they cannot stand against my hive. And these houses are a trap, for they lead young life away from the blade and the tooth, which we are the tools of survival and the means of ascension. Only when the Traveler is extinguished will the universe be free to arrange itself and assume, by ruthless contest, its final perfect shape, a shape which depends on nothing but itself. Thus, I name you Crota, Eater of Hope. 
I mean, that's a lot of responsibility to put on a kid. It is. We also have no idea who this mother, uh, the spawn mother is of right? Crota. Yeah, insert Nocris theories here. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Uh, so there's some interesting bits and pieces here sort of related to Crota and not related to Crota now with a little bit more hindsight. So when we first recorded the Books of Sorrow, uh, there was no Taken Spring, there was no Malak and things like that. And we've talked about Malak briefly in the past, uh, but in doing so, you know, Malak is the quote-unquote son of Savathun, although was taken by Oryx. And it's funny because in some of that those grimoire entries, Oryx notes that uh, Malak is to be used as a poison against Savathun, but in this entry it says that Jivu Arath is the one who has been poisoned. And I, I don't even really know what that means. Poisoned her tribute. Like, yeah, I don't know. But So, uh, yeah, so this, I fought my way out of hell. This card happens after Crota is trapped in the deep by Savathun and Jivu Arath and sort of has to fight his way out, although it is Jivu Arath who gives a perfect description of Oryx to call him back. And he decides that he needs a family. Apparently that kind of traumatic experience drives you to want kids. <laughs> when, when your family strands you in the deep, you grow your family. You make a new family. <laughs> uh, and this is a lot, this line, uh, you will have to win your place at the high war. We see that theme repeated again and again and again. Uh, Oryx cuts Crota no slack at any point in the Books of Sorrow. Like, he makes that poor kid fight for every inch he gets. Uh, with the exception of this first sword, which remains unnamed, uh, we had a long conversation about the Sword of Crota because there's a mission called the Sword of Crota and the sword itself disappears. And whether that was really the Sword of Crota or, like, his Fisher-Price, my first sword or what. <laughs> it's his wooden sword. Yeah. And whether or not that is the sword, you know, so we have, and when we talked about the Swarm Princes who crafted the sword for Crota, but then there's no mention here of that, it's just that Oryx is giving him a sword, so there's not any mention of the Swarm Princes, so. Uh, and then sort of their mission. Yeah. yeah. The uh, Hive Mission Statement. Yes, So yeah, then we have uh, a little snippet out of verse 4-8, the partition of death. Uh, Oryx went to his son, Crota. Go keep an eye on your sisters, he said. You can learn cunning from them. But while Oryx traveled to observe the deep, destroy an ancient fortress world, Crota conspired with his sisters to learn their secrets. I too will experiment with a wound, he said. With his sword, Crota cut open a new wound into a new space. In here, he thought he might obtain a secret power. Out of this wound came machines called Vex. They invaded Oryx's throne world. This is like one of our... This card comes up again and again and again. It's sort of like... <laughs> Crota's a special child. Yeah, uh, Crota gets teased a lot for this one. What did you do, Crota? <laughs> so the sisters in reference here are uh, Ir Halak and Ir Anuk. 
the Weaver and the Unraveler. And I believe this Partition of Death, this entry that learn cunning from them, this happens immediately after they discover how to create an Oversoul. So Oryx wants Crota to learn how to do that. Yeah, this is the one where Oryx walks up on the two of them and they're just murdering each other. Yes. And he's like, what are you doing? And they're like, we're just killing each other over and over and over again to learn about how death works. You guys all And he's like, y'all are adorable. Yes. <laughs> and then it was the tautological Titanosphere. The Oversoul. Uh, yes. But instead, Ta- instead of learning how to do that, Oryx just, I mean, Crota just goes swinging his sword around. La, 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 la. And cuts a hole into the Vex. <laughs> so, like, Crota, like, for all the, like, first son of Oryx, the, who will inherit, blah, 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 he's so, like, he's got such a hard time. Yeah. Oryx well, he's is a just like, Crota, go play with children I'm actually <laughs> proud of. <laughs> go listen to what they're oh, going to say. And yeah, he's like, go learn oh. something from your sisters. And he's like, I want to do what they do. Rip. It's like, yeah, secret power vex. Oh, no, dad's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we learned, We also learned later that this was all set up by Savathun as well. Yeah. But you have to wonder if she's just like whispering in Crota's ear like, hey, there's a secret power. Like like in the, in the cupboard, there's a secret power. Go open the cupboard and he opens it up and all these robots fall out of it. It's like... Yeah, well, it's like when, when, they, when the hives slice into these spaces in this manner, like... How much do they know about where they're cutting into? Obviously, Crota had no idea what he was getting into here. Yeah. So he literally just like, I don't know, sure. Let's just uh, cut this hole and see what's in there. Like, Yeah, it could just be his experience as well. Yeah. Like, I guess, but at this point, thing. also, like, he's the son of the first navigator. Like, <laughs> yeah, but, oh. sword of pits. Your dad, like, legitimately charted all of known time space up to this point. <laughs> and you can't it's even not figure like out which Oryx has taken Crota aside and like I will teach you all I know he's just like nope take a sword learn to grow up like <laughs> bye son <laughs> and then and then comes back like I'm so disappointed you haven't learned anything so it's I, I don't know I don't think being the son of the first navigator gives him any like actual navigational sort of curiosity <laughs> abilities because even aside from Oryx not raising his son right, is also wow. <laughs> aside from that sort of thing, it's also that um, the first navigator thing is Oryx's thing. Like that's his um, his nature that he has to follow. It's not the true. case for Crota. Right, Crota's Crota's nature seems to be. Hit slash. things with swords. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did that. I, I mean, I guess arguably also, you know, he's tricked by Savathun, whose entire nature is cunning and deceit, so I can't hold it against him too much. Like, big on you, Savathun, for using your millennia-honed skill for cunning and deception to trick a kid. <laughs> You're... Yeah. Stellar, stellar example of your abilities. (laughs) But then we see we see more of of Crota's nature here in uh, verse four nine. Um, Open your eyes. You should read this one. Me. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because Crotus speaks in this one, and he sounds just like you. <laughs> Should I put on my like angry child? <laughs> I'll cut them apart, Crotus said. But just then, the Vex ritual of better thoughts manifested a mind called Curia, Blade Transform. Curia deduced the sword logic. I have to kill everything, Curia resolved. Then I will be powerful. Crota's gate began to emit warrior Vex, huge and brassy. He leapt forward to fight them, but they blinked away. After they fled from Crota, they killed 2,000 of Oryx's acolytes and 10,000 of his thrall. Soon they had established themselves as powers in this world by right of slaughter. Close the wound, Brother Crota, Anuk ordered. We will find a cunning way to destroy them, but only after they stop constructing problems on us. But Curia had instanced itself to the other side of the gate, and built a holdfast to keep the way open. Curia's objective was to exploit the paracausal physics of Oryx's throne to become divine. It organized a series of test invasions. For a hundred years of local time, the siblings fought the Vex. When the Vex came into the sword world, they were inevitably annihilated. But when the Hive went into the Vex world, they lost too much of their power to win. Father's going to eat our souls, Halak sighed. Savathun was laughing, because she had tricked Crota into cutting that place. <laughs> this is now the sister's turn, but dad's going to kill us. <laughs> I love this card, too, because it really... It outlines a lot of different things so well. Uh, you know, there's always talk about how the gates are connected to the Vex gate network is connected to the Hive sort of ascendant uh, portal network, and we have a, a good example of that here, where Crota opened what they call a wound, and then Curia is able to aug not augment it, but sort of build around it in order to maintain its presence. Uh, to prevent, I mean, basically, a Vex greater mind preventing an Ascendant Hive from closing their own portal. Mm -hmm. And then we have this idea that entering into the throne realm, you know, the Hive are almost immortal. Like, on the, on the Ascendant plane, the Hive are almost indestructible. But then the second they step out of that, similar to stepping into our physical realm whatever space these Vex occupied sort of weakens the hive so much that they're not just not able to stand up against the Vex. Yeah. I, I love Curia's version, like, of the sword logic distilled <laughs> down to, like, computer logic almost, where it's not about transfer of power. It's about if I kill everything else, I'm the most powerful thing. <laughs> Like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, she, she really sees it in a this plus this equals this sort of way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or even reduction. More death equals like, power. Yeah, and we're like, everything minus everything equals just me. Therefore, I am the most powerful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I like this, I've always loved this line, constructing problems on us, because I have to amend it as the Vex enter a world and they start to transform it or techno-form it or whatever it is they do. You know, this is... At this point, we have the Hive, who are a civilization and a race and a species that are, in a way, like a culture of 
compassion. They're a culture of death and feeling and absorption and energy and power and sort of like the driving hatred and darkness and revenge. Uh, and then you have the Vex sort of march in and they start to convert all those feeling style emotions into mathematics. And as they do so, it starts to change the environments. Like if you were, it's almost like the slowly changing the natural organic state of a thing into a more rigid, solid mechanical thing. I like to think that the Vex have that kind of effect on the areas they go into. Yeah, and I always sort of read this, and, and we <clears throat> certainly don't know this by any means, but I, I almost read this to be when the Vex first sort of enter into the Stone World, they're sort of this builder race. And it's Curia's deduction of the sword logic. It's only after that happens that all of a sudden there are warrior Vex. Yeah. And it just makes me wonder, like, were they just sort of, maybe not peacefully, but, you know, they they were just sort of building and, and yeah. well, they're engineers. exploring. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you add in, you add in this other thing. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, we can make weapons. I mean, if that's what we have to do. And so how, how much did this chance encounter from Crota swinging a sword like a moron change the Vex, which has obviously huge ramifications for the rest of Destiny. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Although, the Vex never created a sword, huh? There's no, no there's no, no Vex unit that carries things. a melee weapon. No, they just slap you like a No, they just bash you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they do. They melee like a warlock. That's true. Goblins do. Mm-hmm. Also, thank you, Seth, who wrote these, for saying a hundred years of local time. <laughs> Some kind of context. <laughs> Not that we know what local time is. True. And when it comes to the Vex, it's hard to know. <laughs> I should just say time in quotes. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much does. Time. Like, it could mean anything. But then we get this next entry, so... This next entry I've always found really interesting because it creates a legacy for Crota. Mm -hmm. And it really starts to paint a picture that maybe he's a lot more badass than we've ever given him credit for. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to justify that in the light of everything else we know about him. But man, I would love just an entire series of entries on this time period in Crota's life. Oh yeah, yeah. What what was he fighting through all this? Yeah. Yeah. So let's. I'll read this real quick. This is uh, verse four ten. An emperor for all outcomes. <clears throat> Oryx thought that he should study geometry, like the Vex. It was the map of perfect shapes. But first, he had to punish imperfection. My son, he said, "This is your punishment. Come home glorious, or die forgotten." He picked up Crota by the legs and threw him into the Vex gate network. Crota battled through history, becoming a legendary demon. In his early centuries, he often spared a few victims to hear oaths and protest against his father. Later, he came to understand Oryx, and he made temples and monuments wherever he went. Uh, yeah, I just want to know. I want, I want a whole series of stories of the world's Crota traveled to through the Vex Gate Network. 
Because in the you know yeah. pr- centuries of slaughter. Yeah, like well, an entry ago or two entries ago, we read that when the when the hive passed through the Vex Gate network into a Vex controlled world, they were too weak to win. Yet Crota somehow was tossed in here and decided, I will win for the sake of trying to impress my dad. Uh, <laughs> and I will win. And apparently for centuries he just wrecked shop. But I want to know all the different worlds he went to and all the different battles he fought. The tale of Crota's self-discovery. How yeah. he grew into a man. He could be like... Yeah. <laughs> it's like the sequel to Ramona Quimby, age 8. It's... Crota, son of Oryx, age 108. <laughs> so it yeah, seems and, like... And, and then, you, yeah, and next we hear from Crota, he's like, I just kill things. I'm awesome. <laughs> well, so then, yeah, then we get to verse 5-6. Ayat, 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 ayat. There we go. I got all five of them. It's five shirts. <clears throat> which is which is Oryx saying, My son Crota feeds me rich, rich tribute. My lineages are strong. My worm is vast and satiated. And with that security, I can spend my time on study and communion with the deep. As I learn more secrets, my power grows. As my power grows, I use it to learn more secrets. Ayat, let it be thus because it must. So yeah, Crota's doing good for Oryx. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, he's traveling around all these alternate dimensions, setting up temples and monuments and murderating everything he comes across. It's like he he learned how to be a prince, a prince of the hive. Uh, so there's a lot of growing up that happened, and now he's a monster. <laughs> Sorry, I just laughed at reading that title because I don't know why my my mind went there, reading the Aya Aya. Because <laughs> picturing Crota just strolling through all the Vex world, slashing things, saying, I'm on my way from misery to happiness today. Because my brain went, ayat, ayat. <laughs> oh, no. And now I can't unsee that. And every time I read yeah. that, I'm hearing it. Perfect. I think you should draw that. Dang it, Proclaimers. Perfect. <laughs> He's just singing that. I mean, he, he, I guess he went from misery to happiness. But I don't want to. Don't want to think about that every time someone mentions Crater in the Vex realm. <sighs> Brain, why do you do this? Well, you can you can distract yourself with verse five eight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. This is Oryx again. Lately, I have realized how much I depend on Crota and my daughters, and even upon my court. If I lost them, my outlays would exceed my intakes, my tribute would not be enough to feed my worm. But this is proper, for if I lost them, it would be because they were not mighty enough, and then I would be a bad father, a bad king. I must test them and fight with them to keep them strong. This is my Gaius? Is that that word? Yes. Ah, excellent. Yeah. Yes. Yes, we had a long discussion about this word. <laughs> Because I questioned why Oryx, this alien hive god king, would be using, like, old Irish language, Gaelic. In this is like a, this is a Gaelic folklore term. How how would he know this word? The proclaimers. 
They just blame the translator. Yes, well, that's the thing. So it's who is translating it. Yeah, it's Scottish Gaelic. Uh, <laughs> it means an obligation or prohibition magically imposed on a person. So I mean, the meaning certainly fits. Yes, it does. But yeah. Well, now we're going to learn that Crota was a bad dad, or Oryx is a bad dad. Oryx was actually a bad dad. Surprise. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> it's too bad. And, and this is, again, this is all happening in hindsight when we're doing the Dark Below and first running Crota's End. It's just like, this is the big bad. You've got to go and take him out. Yeah. Uh, like, sure, his name is the son of Oryx, but it doesn't really hit you like it's just a title. But then we learn all this stuff, and like, oh, we're we're totally taking out his his number one son, his little boy. <laughs> no wonder he no wonder he comes for us. Well, so yeah, so I mean, that was the thing. Like, with the books of sorrow, there's so much more context for why us offing Crota would would be such a big deal for Oryx, knowing more about the um, the Worm Pact and and how tithing works and how. Oryx really depended on Crota and we just wiped him and all of all of his uh, main lieutenants just out. Just yeah. gone. So I'm sure, yeah, that's that's a huge hit to Oryx. But you know, right before not right before. I in hive terms probably, right before we did that though, I guess Crota probably gave Oryx like one of his maybe the largest <laughs> deposit of light since the gift mast like oh yeah with, with, with Marimbrium like yeah. how much light got tithed after that like Oryx was just been like yes <laughs> you think you're just like sleeping and all of a sudden it's like getting an adrenaline shot in your heart <laughs> he just wakes up and he's like whoa, whoa what just happened <laughs> good on you son and then just goes back to sleep yeah well, yeah, yeah, like, and I mean, there's so many questions we could ask about this, right? Like, at one point in all of this, does Crota end up, like, on the moon? Did he just randomly end up on, like, the, there's not a Vex gate on the moon, so if he was traveling on the Vex gate network, how did he get to the moon? Is is the keyhole on the moon because he was, once again, just, like, cutting into things, and he just found his way to our moon and was like, oh, hey, there's the Traveler... Yeah, or was he in the ascendant plane and cut in the other direction into the moon, and he just happened to be close to the planet the traveler was on? Like, or did yeah, he do I it mean, on purpose? It? Like, we don't really know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, is it just the dumbest luck ever that he ended up finding the traveler? And that's kind of amazing. Like, that's kind of amazing too, right? So, like, he, like, oh, I'll take another chance, and I'll, I'll cut. Uh, I'll cut a new wound in space, and he emerges on our moon, realizes the Traveler is on the planet next door, and then just like, Dad, Dad, I found it. I did it. <laughs> and then all these guardians show up like, oh, we're going to, we're kicking you off. And he's just like, want to bet? Dad, Dad, I killed them all. <laughs> yeah. At this point, Oryx must have been feeling pretty good about Crota. Like, he, if mm -hmm. he did found the Traveler, which is awesome, and then killed a whole bunch of the Traveler's kids <laughs> and tied the <laughs> whole metric load of light uh, upwards to him. It's like, man, my son's not a complete failure. Yeah. Except he, he doesn't seem the type to actually tell that to Crota. 
No. Doesn't tell him he's not a failure. Just let him believe that. <laughs> he's the kind. He's the kind Wait, of well, like silent, you know, arms crossed, sort of slow nod. Well done, son. Well done. <laughs> yes, yeah, approval, and, and acknowledgement. His, his well done was to tell Crota after he basically, like, left Earth almost defenseless. He tells Crota to just chill. Yeah. Go back go back to the ascendant plane and, and wait. Don't push forward and eat the traveler without me. Yeah. yeah Smart move. I mean Smart move Oryx. Good one. Yeah, that was that was maybe not not the best call and that, Oryx. That decision is still a hugely debated thing. Like why why would Oryx call Crota back at that point? They were the they were on the verge of victory. And it couldn't yeah, be, like, and they said, oh, well, you know, Oryx just wanted to plan the whole thing appropriately, but it's like, that doesn't seem like that's or in Oryx's wheelhouse. It doesn't seem like the thinking of Oryx where he'd be like, oh, you know what? We're right here. Let's just back off and wait till the whole family arrives. Like, <laughs> Yeah, especially when it's like, what, what's the need to plan? Like, you just killed a thousand of those. Keep yeah. killing them. Yeah, don't stop. <laughs> Go to their planet and kill them all. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the only way to make it even make sense is when you start getting into, I mean, so so Guardians were, Guardians are unique, right? The Traveler's gone to all these planets and done all these things, but has never done anything like creating Guardians. So when Crota's reports go back to Oryx, was it enough to make Oryx go, I need to see that for myself? That's something completely new that Oryx has never encountered. Oryx encountered a lot of stuff, right? That's true. Like, and all of a sudden, here's this completely new thing. And um, I, whenever I follow that line of thinking, and of course we're into, way into speculation territory here, then you start getting into the, is Oryx trying to figure out a way to break his pact with his worm? And did he go, wow, what is going on on Earth? I need to go get into that. Maybe I can use that to my advantage territory. I just don't get why Oryx didn't just use will breaker to slice open his own wound right onto the moon or earth and been like okay well i had to see it for myself and here it is like you knew where it was because crota showed you exactly where it was it wasn't like you had to right. randomly right yeah why take the time to fly the dreadnought here yeah why not just step through and mm -hmm. and see it for yourself i don't know glad he didn't because now we get this cool video game. <laughs> <laughs> it would have all ended at Mary Room if Oryx was there. He would have just been like, doxology. Yep. <laughs> yep. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. But he didn't. And so first Crota happened, and then our raid happens. And so here we are. So here we are, standing on top of this gigantic soul crystal. Getting ready to call Crota. Mm -hmm. Because we just killed Iriute, the Death Singer. And like 3,000 acolytes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and knights. And knights. <laughs> and they're all yellow bars. Yeah. So yeah, there's uh, the, the crystal that's in the middle of, of Iriute's room. Um, everybody stands around it. And uh, what is it? Your screen like fills up with like hazy green yep whatever it is smoke and um the walls <clears throat> that were there 
Well, first, first Crota appears, right? He appears off in the distance. The little pillars reform on the left and right, and he appears in like a big pillar of green flame. Well, that's one of the coolest things that happens, right? The, the arena builds itself. Yeah, it looks really neat. It looks really awesome. Yeah, and then and he, he sort of pops in, and then you're immediately hit with the presence of Crota, uh, which prevents your health recovery, which was terrifying at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that dictated what gear everybody wore in that raid. <laughs> you either had an infusion or a helmet with infusion on it, or you... Were, or you were using Red Death or... Yeah. <laughs> or better already on your helmet, yeah. Yeah, something, anything to get your health back. Yeah, but he makes this, he makes this his grand appearance, uh... And he waves and a this sword. Is a really, I think this is the first time. Because I'm trying to think. Like, there's nothing like this happens really in the glass throne. It's like nothing assembles itself, nothing pulls itself together, nothing. No, Atheon just sort of appears and starts blowing that you nature up. nature really happens. Not like this, where you're staring right. out that window that the the glass sort of appears there. And cuts you off from the field on the outside. And then all of a sudden this hive god shows up and you can see the oversoul and all kinds of crazy stuff. It makes it, it was a first, with this being sort of like the first raid, not the first raid, but the first raid of the first big expansion where we had a new raid. Uh, and they, they really looked to make an impact with yeah, uh, the appearance of Crota. Yeah, and, and it's awesome. I, yeah, I think they definitely succeeded. It, it is a really cool, really cool piece. Um, so what happens? Oh, that's right. Um, a whole ton of ads spawn on the just outside your your little safe room, and then the walls drop and the ads start shooting you, <laughs> and your health doesn't regen, and if you get shot, it's bad. Yep. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just, I was just looking something up and I had. I realized that I hit the mute button on my laptop and it muted my headset. Oh. Welcome back. So I apologize if I was talking over anybody right then. We didn't hear it. Nope. Because oh, you were muted. It muted the mic too? Yeah. Oh. Well, so much for that little spiel. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what you said? Well, I was just... I was talking about how coming from the Vault of Glass... Uh, and the appearance of Atheon. And but then, we did hear that part. Yeah. And then with this being sort of like the 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 next big thing, the next big yeah. raid, uh, how the formation of the arena is just really cool. Yeah. Uh, and it makes an impact. Like you, the noise is a really, really distinct uh, of like the rocks moving and the arena building itself and then. Well, and just Crota's appearance itself is is pretty interesting, actually. I mean, he's sort of translucent and glowing. You know, you see Oryx for the first time, and he's, of course, huge, and that was really cool. But if Oryx was normal size, it'd just be like, oh, he's he's just a really, like, badass-looking hive. You see Crota, and it's like, he there's nothing else that really looks like Crota. 
No, he's very, like, I don't think we come across anything until Thalnok that looks like that. It's the big glowing giant sword master sort of appearance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if there's any significance to his appearance or not, but uh, it's definitely striking, especially the first time you saw it. It was like, wait, I can I can see his ribs, and he points at me when I point at him. Well, you see, I mean, you see his gigantic face right before he appears too, which is pretty funny to me. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, there is nothing that, and I, I wondered this myself, sort of, in the Books of Sorrow, it talks about Oryx being able to change his experience his appearance as he deems appropriate, like whether he's growing wings right. or things of that nature. So I wonder if once a hive takes a particular morph, like we don't know if Crota is a king morph of a hive, if he's allowed to even do that with Oryx still around. Uh, we know he's referred to as a prince. But can do they slowly start to get to create their own individual look for themselves? Because, like, the war priest looks different, and uh, yeah. cool the dark blade, looks different. Crota looks different. So there seems to be this element of the ability to dictate how one looks. And whether his appearance is just indicative of the, his time spent in a lot of other dimensions after he was thrown through, and he came back much different than when he went in, or, or what, we don't really know. Or when he fought through history and became a legendary demon, he was like, I should look like a demon. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should look like what I people are calling me. Yeah. D- dyed his hair, ripped his jeans, came back looking all different. <laughs> or, or looks like Master Chief. <laughs> the demon! <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the, the note here from In Normal Mode, the Chalice of Light is right in front of him when he first appears. Yeah, so um, once you clear all the ads and you can exit the room and go out into the main arena, yeah, you can. someone can run down and grab the chalice, uh, which I thought was a cool mechanic. I actually thought it was more interesting. The encounter was more interesting when it was there. Uh, basically, it's, it's, it's an item that one player can carry and the player holding it can recover health as normal. And then you can pass it. Any other player can come grab it whenever they need it. Um, in hard mode, it doesn't exist. So, again, it's it's down to a red death or, or infusion or, or something like that. Um, I always thought it was kind of cool that you could plan who would have it and, and you had to have that communication to decide who was going to take it next so that people weren't just randomly grabbing it. I, I, I liked that more than just taking it away in hard mode and just thereby dying <laughs> yeah i agree and also it, it lends this sort of element of speculation like what exactly is this thing yeah is, why is it there is this the remains of the first crow to fire team is this is this ariana's like super illuminescent last remains or her her final play at vengeance isn't that she went down there and and killed Crota and all his spawn. It's that she left behind an item similar to uh, Kaber that yeah, enables just, yeah. enables somebody else to do it. Uh, and that would sort of be a fitting legacy for her and what she stood for. It would certainly give... 
the um, <clears throat> first crowd of fire team's efforts uh, give them a little more. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Wait give them some sort me. of legacy. Yeah, yeah. More than just hey, we went down here and got slaughtered, and maybe it was because this one guy kind of wanted us to all get slaughtered. But it would be oh, well, we actually, yeah, we left this behind that makes what you're going to come do after us possible, basically. Although, and then the argument exists that, well, since they were all dead at that point, maybe they weren't the ones who made this, but then who did? It's like, maybe Toland left it behind since he was the only one who really would have had the power to do that. So maybe you should be thanking Toland for this. Maybe that's why he dragged Ariana 3 down there, not to offer as a sacrifice to Iryu, but to create this chalice of light. Because he knew he knew none of them were going to make it anyway, so their deaths might as well be worth something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's okay. all speculation. <laughs> Toland doesn't care about you or your opinion. <laughs> it's interesting, like, a chalice is like a... It's a goblet sort of thing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So, like, is it full of light? Do they, they drink it? Is it like a, a ceremonial thing that they drink the light? Because they consume light? Yeah, well, I mean, I've wondered that for a long time, too. It's like, I just think of that scene from Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade. Uh, <laughs> but then if that's the case, right, why is it just sitting here? Could be like, I don't know, a ceremonial thing? They, well, know, but we know that... This mini fridge? <laughs> we also know, though, that, that the, hive, the hive do something to light. Yes. They don't just, like consume pure light they yeah. corrupt well, it in some way yes and toland makes references to language that sort of insinuates that it's somehow like consumed via drinking yeah like with ch- the chalice as a an object make to me um makes me think like ritual and not not necessarily ritual but like tradition and ritual and things sure. like that like it's not just you know pull the chalice out of the cupboard we're gonna have grape juice sort of thing it's like it's a <laughs> it's a it's a thing you use in rituals and rites and yeah to me anyway so if they're gonna consume light i mean drink it out of a chalice accidentally leave it lying around your room guardians find it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know just yeah, a thought I- well, I mean, Toland refers to Golgoroth's cellar, you know, as containing, what is it, benighted draught. Well, you keep uh, wine in the cellar. D-R-A, well, D-R-A-U-G-H-T, which is the just a British spelling of draft. Right. Uh, which is usually, it's like beer or ale or something of that, so. Which you keep in Being. a cellar and serve in a chalice. That's right. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, we just turn it into bombs and blow it up. Yeah. Because that's what guardians do. We don't. <laughs> no. We're sort of like Crota. There's no concept of like ritual or <laughs> meaningful things. Nope. It's just like, can we use it as a weapon? That's Sweet. Right. <laughs> blow it up. <laughs> blow it up or hit it with your sword. Yeah. So wait, Oryx has been producing wine this whole time. 
out of light. <laughs> and we set it all on yeah. fire. We totally bust into his giant floating beer garden. <laughs> and then lit the basement on fire. Swirling it. Mm, yes, Murray Imbrium. Good year. It's not Gorgoroth's cellar, it's Gorgoroth's distillery. Yeah. <laughs> the dreadnoughts are the giant speakeasy. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, anyway, when Crota appears, he also brings a whole bunch of enemies with him. Uh, knights and acolytes on both sides. And this is this is part of the challenge where you're surrounded in this sort of glass cage of emotion with the soul throne. Uh, <laughs> and then the glass shatters, and now you're not regenerating your health, but you've got to fight off these left and right enemies uh, who are going to do their best to take that health from you. And that's before you can even get anywhere near the uh, the Chalice of Light. Yeah, so, you definitely have to survive way a wave of of these enemies just to <laughs> just for the privilege of then having to run into Crota's ranged attack range that also is surrounded by thralls and all to get the chalice. Well, he's also sh- he he's shooting little fireballs out of his hands at yeah, you too. Yeah, he has like wizard wizard yeah. blast. And it hurts so bad. Yes, it does. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, so so you can go, you kill those guys and you go outside, which um, from a mechanic standpoint is considered the that's when the timer starts, right? As soon as you step outside yeah. into the main room, um, so essentially you're gonna <clears throat> the group hangs back towards the back, uh, mostly in the middle is sort of I think the strategy that everybody settled on. I think at first people were hanging out over on the left. Yes, um, left side used to be the strategy. Yeah, but um, there's a there's a door. Crota's up on a big, I don't know stage. what the right word. It's stage. a stage. Sure. What would you call a stage in a? What's what's a more liturgically appropriate? Oh yeah, that's word? a good question. Uh, like a dais we talked or about this. Yeah, when we talked about the uh, the war priest. Uh, what was the word we used for that? That was like six months ago. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, there's a door <laughs> underneath Crota um, at the ground level. And a, a sword bearer knight very conveniently walks right out of it and uh, promptly gets murdered by the fire team because that's what we do. And he drops his sword because, as we know, um, the sword is the most powerful thing in Crota's throne world. So he gives us the most powerful possible weapon right there in front of Crota. Which is when one wonderful, intrepid member of your fire team gets to sprint down there and pick it up, which also starts the coolest music of the entire raid. Yes, the the sword bearers theme. Yeah. (laughs) Which doesn't exist on the soundtrack, right? Like, there's no way to go listen to that. No, there isn't. In the Taken King soundtrack, it's referenced, but they're the theme itself, independent, is not. That's there. a shame. Because doesn't the same awesome. theme play in the Thalnok fight? Yes, when you pick up the sword in the Thalnok fight, you get the same thing. So is that on yeah. the soundtrack? No. Nope. Nope. Not independent. Uh, not uh, as its own theme. Sadness. It's really. Yeah. It's a really cool it's, theme. It makes you feel epic. You're like, yes, yeah, sword time. Yeah. So, one of the things this raid does a lot, like. Um, the Vault of Glass did was it puts one person sort of on point to sort of be the hero of the, the hero. Encounter. Yep. 
and and take uh, King's Fall pretty much did that as well, I guess, with the runner. Although you really just kind of run and just get an invincibility shield. You don't actually go hit something. You know, the the feeling of grabbing that sword and being the one actually up there on that platform, whacking Crota with a sword is is. I think that's probably in within Destiny. Like that's the. I don't know. Is that like the most badass you can possibly feel? Like, is there anything else in the game that's like that? I don't think there is. Being the sword bearer? Yeah. Like, what is what is as awesome as that feeling? Well, that time when I was with two other people who were also night stalkers and we were smashing the enemies moving against each other and the whole breach felt pretty epic. <laughs> but that's only because my, my sword bearing encounter... you was involving, what do I do? My fire team yelling at me and me not knowing what to do and stuffing it up and going, I'm never doing this again. And I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> also, I wasn't a blade dancer. So um, switching to blade dancer, I was like really unfamiliar with it. <laughs> yeah, so so that's, we, we touched on this last episode, right? This was, this raid is, is the blade dancer's place to shine. And this is the next, this is the, the, the pinnacle of that, right? Like, everybody wanted a Blade Dancer to do this. So, we can explain why. Um, you kill the kill the Sword Knight, somebody runs down and grabs the sword, and on the left and right of Oryx's platform, there are some rocks that you can sort of stand on, and your fire team, Crota has a, Crota has a shield, so your fire team has to shoot Crota to bring his shield down, which causes him to kneel. And when he's kneeling and his shield is down, that's when the sword bearer can jump up and smack him without getting one-shotted by Crota's sword. Um, it was discovered real early on, I guess, that the sword lasts long enough that you can actually do that multiple times per sword drop. Um, so the reason everybody wanted a blade dancer here was because of the ease with which a blade dancer can go invisible. Um... I know that when I was when I was taught to do this, it was tell your team to to make Crota kneel, jump up there, whack him a few times, drop the sword, uh, melee him to go invis, while your team shoots him again, pick the sword up, hit him again, and then get out of there, uh, and then rinse and repeat until he dies, basically. But uh, yeah, Blade Dancer. <laughs> nobody was like, yeah, I'm gonna run sword on my warlock just for fun. Although when we three mained it, I ran sword on Warlock. Was that for self-res purposes? Uh, it wasn't necessarily for self-res purposes as much it was just I was the best person with the sword and I was on Warlock. I think the reason we did it because, <laughs> well, back it was tough, you know, at level 31 and 32 to drop Crota on hard mode with just three people, so I think I was running Warlock because I was throwing a solar grenade from the front while yeah, yeah. the rest of my team was firing Gallarhorn. Yeah, because, so the the deal with his shield is that if at any point you stop shooting him, it almost instantly begins recharging. So yeah, that solar yes. grenade would have put constant damage on him so it wouldn't recharge, which would have allowed your other two guys to shoot a second rocket, basically. Yeah. So yeah, I could I could see that being a, a huge help. <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm looking up I'm looking up the structure of churches now. 
I've <laughs> <laughs> got you totally derailed onto that. Uh, yes. Well, now I know way too much about the different parts of a church. Oh, like a there's narthex. The, there's still, yeah, like the narthex. <laughs> there's still no clear answer, though. Uh, it seems like sanctuary is the common word, although I have run across the word chalice a whole bunch of times, which is pretty funny. Well, so, okay, if if we're thinking about it as a church, that whole arena would be the sanctuary. Okay. For some for some gabble ratchet lore, my dad and my granddad were preachers, so I've spent a lot of time in churches and know a lot of things about words related to churches, so. <laughs> so there's, I mean, there's the, the altar, the apse, the ambo, uh, the chancel. Church architecture is nuts. The east wall, the west wall, the high altar, uh, the lectern, the narthex, the nave, <laughs> the pulpit, uh, the transept, and we talked about that. Mm-hmm in King's Fall. The Undercroft. That's where the, the Sword Knight comes from. Yes. There you go. <laughs> the Sword Knight comes from the Undercroft. <laughs> the Undercroft is essentially a fancy word for the church basement under the chancel and nave and transept if there is one. There you go. All right. I'm I'm back. Sorry. I was... <laughs> It's, I'm imagining, a, like, the sword knight's, like, down there with his sword, and he's, like, psyching himself up, like, here we go, here we go, it's my turn, ready? Ready for when that door opens, get ready for when that door opens, you can do this. Doing that little jug on the spot, like, let's go, let's do this. Yeah. And the door opens, and he runs out, and immediately gets hit with Gallarhorn. <laughs> yeah, just, nope. We can, do this, we can do this, we can't do this. <laughs> And, you know, and then some, like, scrawny blade dancer guardian runs past his, like, dying corpse. Like, his last thing that he sees is, like, a blade dancer run by and grab his sword, like, ha-ha! And did a little, like, gun <laughs> hand at him, like... <laughs> yep. Thank you. <laughs> I'll be taking this. Uh, and then, meanwhile, so, Crota's like, cue up, cue up the next one, please. <laughs> Luckily, he seems to have an endless supply of these guys. Well, we'll talk about that towards the <laughs> well, end of this. Right. <laughs> so if you if you run if you run Crotazen these days, that's basically all you're gonna see because it only takes like six hits with a sword to yeah. kill Crota. And so you only need to kill one sword knight and you need to make Crota kneel twice and it's done. Um that's certainly nowhere near what this encounter was uh when it was new. Um so I mentioned a timer as soon as you walk out of that room and generally the way that works is about the same time as your sword disappears um crota moves or rotates or crotates damn it <laughs> he shifts in the arena <laughs> to a different location yes i've always sort of felt like um the intention was that you would just keep going and you would just have to adjust your positioning in the room to, to kill another sword knight and make him kneel and damage him again. But the community being the community just figured, 
let's just go hide and wait for him to go back to the middle because that's what we know. Well, there isn't an, another sword knight won't appear, though. It appears right. eventually because when you're hiding back... So, so, so what everybody did was after the sword disappeared, everybody then retreated back to the room where you started, which is completely safe unless because sometimes weird things happen in Destiny. Occasionally thralls would run in there. But for like the most part, you're just completely safe in that room and you can look out the window and Crota's standing right next to the window and you can point at him and you can shoot Wave the at him. And Wave him angry and he waves and, back. Yeah, yeah. And, and on rare occasions, he'll run in there and just clear your whole team out. Yeah, when, <laughs> when the game decided to misbehave, he would occasionally, yeah, just <laughs> go way off his rails. Um, but one of the things that, that we would always have somebody do was watch the, the door to see when the knight came out because the knight all, the sword knight always hides so you would try and have eyes on him to know um, if he'd gone left or right uh, so yeah, I, I mean I don't know maybe, maybe the intention was always just that you would go be in there are other safe spots as well that we'll talk about later but uh Maybe the intention was always that you'd go into a safe spot and just wait for him to go back. I don't know. That's just a really weird part of that encounter for me. Because why would you just create a part of the encounter where the entire team is just sitting there for sitting like and 30 waiting. seconds? Yeah. yeah. It's really odd to me. Uh, but, yeah, he moves right and everybody hides. And then he goes back to the middle and everybody runs back out. And you do the whole thing again. Um Back in, how many hits did it take originally? Like 16? Yeah, slams? it was a lot of hits. Yeah, so I mean, you're, you're talking three or four swords, depending on the quality of your sword runner. Um, and a bunch of other factors, like if somebody had taken out the knights, or there was a wizard floating around out there. Or yeah. Crota... This encounter, there's so many weird things that could go wrong, and often did in this encounter. That even describing what it's like <laughs> mechanically, quote unquote, normally, almost never happened. Right, right. Because yeah, that's the thing. They're they're two. Well, we would just call them towers, but as we talked about in the last episode, those are like the dimensional locks, right? Yep. And they have each one of those has two boomers in it. Um, on normal, you kill the two boomers in one tower, and a sword knight flings himself out of there and <laughs> lands on the bridge very close to where your sword runner is going to jump up. So you can kill those boomers, but then you're just creating more problems. Although on normal, that usually wasn't that much of a problem because you would just snipe the boomers and then you would just snipe the sword knight, and that side of the room was basically safe. Yeah. Um, in hard mode, if you killed those knights, a wizard flew out and it was a total pain so people just stopped killing the boomers yeah you just sort of take pot shots at them and try and get them to aim at you because you could be out of their range as long as they weren't shooting at your sword barrier or you were in good good shape yeah there were so there were including that one there were like three main strategies for dealing with with the boomers in hard mode there was the yeah you can just kind of shoot at them and and keep them sort of looking towards you and away from your sword guy um, there was the distraction bubble where a defender would put a bubble just inside their range and basically like jump up and take shots at them so they would just shoot his bubble. That was always cool if they what's that perk called where when a bubble gets shot it makes a ton of orbs? Oh yeah, as it as it takes damage. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, you could make a ton of orbs for your team that way. Um, I can't remember the name of the part. Gift of the Void, maybe? I thought Gift of the Void was... When... Yeah, give for the void. Yep, as Sweet. Warp Dawn takes damage from enemy fire, it creates additional orbs of light. Yeah, so you could have a, a defender just make a ton of orbs for everybody that way, which was cool, especially on hard, if, if you had a bunch of self-res warlocks who had already died. Um, <laughs> uh, so, then there's this other method <laughs> that happened to be the way, the, the role that I got stuck with the first time I saw, well, the first time I was on a team that killed Oryx on hard, uh, which Crota. we can call the the sorry Crota. We can call this method the the wall knocker. Um, oh, I know this strategy, aka the real MVP. Oh, geez. which is the <laughs> you can when you first leave the safe area, you can send typically your lowest light level guardian to go jump sort of behind the boomer's tower. And they can just melee the wall continuously. And apparently the sound of someone knocking on their wall will distract <laughs> the boomers so much that they'll just shoot that wall for the yep. entire encounter. <laughs> and so the rest of the fire team, the sword runner, can just ignore them because they are completely occupied with this guy who's just helplessly beating on a wall for the entire time it takes to down Crota. <laughs> Definitely the most boring way. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> man this raid is this encounter even more than the whole raid is so full I and mean, we mentioned this last episode that this <laughs> there's so much weird glitchy cheese techniques that occurred because of this raid uh or we're using this raid i yeah and that's when i completely forgot about the uh just going up behind that tower and whacking on the wall yeah yeah um <laughs> So yeah, so uh, back in the back in the original days when this took three to four swords, um, you know, you Crota would rotate to the right. He would go back mid. You would damage him. He would rotate to the left. Whenever he rotated to the left, it would spawn two ogres. That was always super, super problematic because ogres are hard to kill. <laughs> and on normal mode, you could retreat down underneath the soul crystal and funnel the ogres. Yes. Uh, yes, we referred to that as hot tub time machine. And then in hard mode, there's a gatekeeper down there. Yeah, they ruined hot tub time machine on hard <laughs> mode. <laughs> and remember um, from the last episode, you cannot kill gatekeepers unless you have an ascendant sword. Yes, but you never have a sword when you're wanting to go down there because you just used it to hit Oryx. Correct. So yeah, there's basically an invincible knight down there that would just wreck you and you couldn't use that safe room anymore. Uh, I know that what my team would always do was we would there was a we would actually go under the right boomers into that room where the og the right ogre spawned. Yep. And we would jump up on the doors and just as soon as the ogre spawned, everybody would just pour heavy onto it to kill that one, and then we would we would snipe the left ogre from that room. The only problem with that is you then have to get from that room back up into the safe area and that's probably where the majority of the people I ever saw die at Crota died yeah even though if you just hugged the left wall you were basically safe the people would never listen to me and hug the left wall they would run out from the wall and get exploded by Thrall or by Crota shooting you or by Crota yeah or yeah 
it's it's funny how you can do this whole raid in like 15 minutes now like well it's funny it's you even spend f- hours wiping at crota because yeah. of things like that well again this the kind of things we're talking about here this is what inspired like the super meta version of this which is pulling the plug on crota yeah <laughs> I think probably that will probably go down in history as like one of the most ultimate, if not the ultimate, cheese technique for any encounter. I mean, even more so than forcing uh, the gatekeeper or Oryx off the edge of his ATL. little. ATL. Uh, this was legitimately. Uh, so what? What was the full? This was the the team leader would purposely disconnect themselves in order to keep Crota kneeling. Yeah, it was it was like you're you t- did only I never did this. This is Me one either. of the few few things that I never did. So we'll get emails and tweets and messages and slack, but my understanding is is that uh I don't know if everyone had to pull their network cable or if just one person did it and that effectively caused the glitch for everyone. But basically, at least somebody on the team would literally just pull the Ethernet cable out of the back of their console. Well, I think what would happen is the whoever was the host had to do it. And then the, while the game tried to negotiate a new host for the encounter, Crota would stay down. Nice. So you basically had all this extra time to do free damage on him because he couldn't fight back because the game was trying to resolve who the next host would be. That's so, but but you can't, you can't kill him. You you could not kill him in one sword. There just wasn't enough time, right? Like how did, I don't know. I never did it, so I don't know all the answers on that. One. I just know people used to yank network cables out to make Crota kneel for a long time. We'd have to like look that one up, but that's probably not <laughs> not yeah. worth it. <laughs> I mean, Kotaka wrote an entire article on it. That's yeah, crazy. Uh, just extreme. just Google, yeah, Google yank network cable crota, and I'm sure you'll find yeah. a very accurate description of how to perform this cheese. <laughs> here we go. Step one: get to the oh, crota checkpoint after the death singer. Step two: pick one fire team member whose job it will be to yank the cord, then have him or her go solo into crota's end to ensure he or she is hosting oh, the game. Oh yeah, force host. Step okay. three: have everyone rejoin the fire team. Wait for the leader to revive everyone. I guess it was normal mode. Uh, number four: start the encounter on normal, killing all the initial mobs, and then heading to take out the boomer knights on the tower. Uh, number five. Have everyone focus fire on Crota. Don't worry about the sword bearer. Just take down Crota's shield. Step six. The second Crota goes down on his knees. Have your host pull out his land cable or somehow forcibly disconnect. (laughs) Step seven. If the host did everything right, there will be a brief lag spike, and then Crota will remain on his knees indefinitely vulnerable, which means you won't have to worry about his attacks or shield regen. Now have your host rejoin the raid, go revive him, take out the sword bearer, and have someone wail away on Crota while everyone else watches for boomers and other ads. Wow. You can do it in one to two cycles at most. You're still on the timer for ogres and in rage, but Crota himself will not move. <laughs> the take, take a knee glitch. That's amazing. Okay, so yeah, one person pulls the cable and he just kneeled forever. How do people find this? Yep. Well, that's got to be where, like, 
somebody got booted one time legitimately, and then the team noticed that that's what happened. Yeah. And then it's just a matter of, of trying it. <laughs> On the Xbox One version, instead of pulling the Ethernet cable, the host will just head to the dashboard, hits the menu button on Destiny, and will hover over the quit button <laughs> until his party tells him that Crota is on one knee. What? If done correctly, Crota will remain on his knee after the leader hits quit. Then the host just restarts Destiny, the party reinvites him, and you can finish off Crota in one to two swords. That's how desperate people were to beat this raid. <laughs> it was, yeah, because it was hard. Also because crazy things happened in this encounter if anybody lagged like a little bit. Yes. Crota would, would just appear on the left or right or come running into the house after you. Yeah, or he would drop down off of his his platform and just wail on people. Which It's like, Crota, there's one rule, which is you stay on your level. Yeah. <laughs> You don't break the one rule because it's not fair. It's the same with Thalnok when he sometimes will just yeah. run down into the middle of the court of orcs and just house people. Well, Tony, he's been watching Crota. He just has to copy. I'm waiting for the day when somebody does that and then they jump out of the arena to try and escape and Thalnok just jumps out of the arena and just runs rampant inside that area. <laughs> All through the Dreadnought. That would be so funny. <laughs> They should just, just have that. Every once in a while, Thalnok just rampages through the whole Dreadnought. <laughs> the whole Dreadnought? Like, just ex escapes the whole of Souls entirely? Someone spawns yeah, into yeah. the whole breach, and you just see Thalnok running across. Thalnok's just there wailing on Cabal. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Jumping doing up the to, like, cool strike. the ships. Ala cool, cool vanishes for the first time, and Thalnok comes running out of the door. <sighs> okay, so... <laughs> look cool. That, that that's one of those things that I'd like to see. Like people can people figured out how to how to mod a game like Dark Souls, where you can just like create an arena and just have bosses fight each other. I wouldn't mind seeing like Thalnok versus Alakul. It'd be a pretty badass fight. That yeah, so yeah, cool. that'd be fun. But yeah, so you do all those things, and um, if nobody dies, Crota dies. <laughs> if somebody dies, however. <laughs> Crota gets really excited. Um, really excited. And he summons his Oversoul. Yes. Which causes the entire screen to fill up with green fire. And it wipes the whole team. Except bullets can apparently undo the Oversoul. Well, this is... So this is an... We were talking about this in the Slack chat a couple days ago. So, like, the Oversoul is sort of like this safe that Crota's true death is hidden inside. Right. Uh, and anything exposed just to the existence of that true death will also get themselves killed. Uh, so we have this really cool mechanic, lore-wise, that is Crota sort of inverting the light where he's saying, you, you have died in front of me, and by showing me, for showing me your death, I'll show you mine for the most part, which, in which case you will open the Oversoul so everyone is exposed to the true death of Crota. Uh, and whether this is like this, he's really excited. Again, if he's just a kid, he's like, this is super exciting. I'm going to show you this thing. And it's like, well, now we're going to shoot it because you opened. Because <laughs> we're like, guardians and that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> we shoot things. So on one hand, exposing us to that revealed true death causes our true deaths 
or we can just shoot it because he's an idiot and showing us his one true weak thing, his one true vulnerability, and Guardians do what we always do, just shoot that thing until it goes away. <laughs> and it works. If you it shoot works. it enough, it banishes the Oversoul. If you're on normal mode, you can... Hopefully you have another Blade Dancer who can invisibly go up there and, and revive. So if, if they died up at Crota, or if they, you know, you can go res them that way, or if they died somewhere else, you res them and you just go about your business. It just yeah. takes an extra sword at that point usually, because usually a death ruins a sword run. Yes. Yeah, yeah. you were like, uh, we're like shooting him in the soul when he opens that thing. So. <laughs> Directly. Directly into the soul. In the soul. <laughs> yeah. Guardians. At least the warp priests you can't shoot. <laughs> yeah, this is like the quintessential guardian, right? Like I'm gonna shoot it in the soul. <laughs> we have gone to your paracausal throne and we have viewed your tautological and autonomous thetanosphere. Shoot it. Don't care. <laughs> Big words, don't care. Terrestrial bullets. Terrestrial bullets. <laughs> As Cade would say. <laughs> <laughs> bullets solve all problems in Destiny. Yeah. Except for the problems yeah, that are I mean, solved with swords. That's pretty much how you kill Crota. That's how you killed Crota originally. Now you laugh your way in there and smack him with the raise lighter and he kneels and you kill him in one sword and it's fine. And so this is the thing I was talking about earlier. It's interesting. The one sword mechanic is actually sort of canonically and from a story perspective makes the most sense right because if you're crota son of oryx these six guardians show up and are like we're gonna wreck you son and you're like i'm invincible in my own throne there's no way you can win and then you send a sword bearer out we shoot him take his sword and then hurt you with it why would you continue to send them out <laughs> right why would well, that, you yeah. as crota not go whoa wait a minute these weird dudes with their light can grab the, another sword and hurt me with it no more swords end of story no more swords well that's why does oryx continue to summon light eater ogres that turn into bombs that are the only thing that can damage him i'm sure the yeah. sword bearer will work this time uh, i'm sure it'll work this <laughs> yeah. time uh next time it'll work for sure Crota. So it's not gonna work. Yeah. Well, so on a one sword run, I can understand it. Where where Crota could be like, You are in my throne, this 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 pocket of dimension crafted by my own superior ascendant hive will. You cannot challenge me here. I am indestructible, and to prove it I will give you a tool of destruction and still destroy you, and then we win. Okay, that's cool. Like we went up against like this hive god sort of on his own terms and took him out but doing it repeatedly is just like okay now you're just an idiot like <laughs> stop sending them out yeah but like same with like every cartoon villain ever you gotta just learn you're never gonna win this this plan isn't gonna work <laughs> even in the slightest but no crater is a cartoon villain he's just gonna keep sending those things out until we defeat him with the power of friendship. And guns. And guns. <laughs> and friendship guns. Friendship guns. <laughs> and I guess arguably that's the same as the 16 bomb strategy at Oryx, oh. right? Chancel, Where... by the way. What? 
the pla- the raised platform that that Oryx oh. is standing on, if 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 that as a church would be chancel. Nice. There you go. Uh, the sixteen bombs at Oryx is similar, where it's Oryx not realizing that we have the power to sort of cleanse that corrupted light and reuse it as a weapon against him. So if you'd never detonated any bombs prior to the first big explosion of 16, then there's no reason for him to think otherwise. Yeah, well, I always assumed yeah. the um, the challenge mode is the, like, law cannon way of defeating that, yeah. that boss in particular. It just makes a bit more sense sharing it out, making sure two people aren't on the same platform or detonating them all at once so he didn't see it coming. It makes more Man, sense. could you imagine if if these old raids were to ever get updated and they had challenge modes and the Crota challenge mode was only one... You could only run sword one time per character on the fire team and so you had to have four people potentially who were adept at running sword to be able to kill Crota. Well, it wouldn't matter now, but... Well, no. If if they if they made it, like if they raised it to level forty two oh. or whatever. Well, man, if they raise level forty two, why not the challenge? Make it every person has to run the sword at least once. Yeah, oh, that would be a mess. You'd have to yeah. yeah. If you had to find six people that could actually get up there and hit him and not die, and you'd have to do it be like rough. legit as well. You wouldn't be able to just blade dancer and viz all the time. Unless you had Unless six, you had six blade, blade dancers. dancers. Yeah, but <laughs> you really want to run that whole thing with six blade dancers. Yes. Well, the stills would be hilarious with six blade dancers. Actually, that's true. <laughs> I mean, all of a sudden, everybody would have don't touch me's yeah, on Yeah, don't again, touch me's. Which nobody's worn since Crota. <laughs> also, how funny would it be at the bridge section to have six blade dancers all jump up, jump up in the air, all use arc blade at the same time, and arc blade across the bridge at the same time? <laughs> I want to see a video of that. <laughs> it's like the Blue Angels flying in formation. Yeah, you could put like the music from Top Gun behind it or something. <laughs> oh, please make them go in like a V formation and everything. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Oh, dear. Uh, also, yeah, I mean, okay. Crota. I mean, come on. So you're the blade dancer. You jump up. You hit him with the sword. You drop it. You stab him to turn invincible. Is he really that stupid that he doesn't see you right there? He doesn't, like, smell your light or something? Like, oh, he just stabbed me in the kneecap. I guess he's gone. <laughs> like, Crota, come on, dude. Really? <laughs> just slam <laughs> everywhere. You'll hit him. Your sword's huge. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like when you when you cover, like, a baby's eyes, and it's like, oh, the whole world just disappeared. <laughs> That just makes me think of, because I've been playing Skyrim this week, like, when you shoot someone in the face with an arrow, and then you hide, and they're like, ah, oh, must have been my imagination. You have an arrow in your face! <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. It's like, oh, must have been. Especially, like, when, you, when you're the blade dancer, and you stab him to turn invisible, and immediately pick up the sword. So you're standing there with the sword, but you're invisible, and the sword's just, like, floating there. <laughs> He doesn't look down and go, oh, that's not conspicuous at all. Maybe you should do something about that. <laughs> Poor He's Crota. like, ah, oh, must be nothing. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. Let me just turn, turn around. <laughs> Lower my defense. Any of these things, any of these things I would say are 
partially forgivable if it wasn't for the fact that this is happening in a world created by Crota's own will. He, <laughs> he is in complete and utter control of everything that happens in this space because it is the power of his ascendant will that has crafted it. It's not like we lured him into the Vex dimension where he's suddenly weaker or we're fighting him, you know, within the the radius of protection of the traveler. It's like we we went well, into okay. his magic house. <laughs> right, but even within his magic house, we remain we we continue to defy causality, right? I mean, his that's will, true. That's true, but can't control us or or can't we we can be outside of that. Maybe he just doesn't have a good imagination. <laughs> Can't improvise. Like if it's all his will. He's like yeah. stab me in the knee once and turn invisible, shame on me. <laughs> <laughs> but by the fourth round yeah. he should be able to figure out <laughs> just slam the ground. It's like the Green Lantern. You can create anything from your will and you go with cars and rockets. <laughs> Well, that's all you have context for, depending on where a you grew up. A giant fist. A giant fist. Yeah. And so it's like, you, you can do anything in this space, but he probably just, like, he can't improvise. He's freezing up. Uh, uh, must have been nothing. Continue, continue shooting stuff. Swords, yep. Just ignore it. If they redo this raid... I think what they should do is they should create a clash mechanic with Crota and there's a quick time event where you have to press the buttons in the correct combination to basically duel Crota. That'd be crazy. <laughs> that would be insane. That would make being the sword bearer super crazy because you would have to be <laughs> on point every time and it wouldn't just be like, oh, we shot you and you went down on your knees and then I hit you a bunch of times and then whoops, I vanished. I, I went and I stood 10 feet away from you, slightly to the right, and your wizard gun can't hit me, stupid. Uh, <laughs> like, no, make it make it a battle, like, make it an actual sword fight. Because you can clash swords with hive knights now. It happens all the time when I fight uh, Urzok the Hated. Yeah. If, you're, if he's mid-swing and you're mid-swing with your sword, you'll clash, and it's an awesome mechanic. I just wish it would work on Crota. Now that we have swords, that would be... I mean, of course, we always had a sword there, right? Because that's what you're doing. But yeah, no, that'd be awesome. If you do it successfully and kill him, you get a new sword that is Crota-sized sword. <laughs> that would be awesome. I want Crota's sword as my sparrow. Breaker <laughs> as your sparrow. You'd want to ride around on it? Just drive around on Crota's sword. I mean, I was thinking it as a sword, it. so you can use it. But I mean, sparrow is fine, too. Yes. You ride it like a surfboard. <laughs> oh dear. I'm yeah. down. I'll take that. Could go to SRL surfing on cruise. Oh, that would be awesome. You'd be unstoppable in SRL. <laughs> and that's where they can have the uh, omnigal scream horn. That's what they can implement. Oh, that would be great. I definitely think if we can swing swords at each other in SRL next month, it's going to be the greatest thing ever. I, that'll be the best. It'd be hilarious. So, absolutely. Just driving along just... SRL, you hear the ah, omnigal screech, and then this guy <laughs> comes past on his flaming green sword surfing it. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
That's where so I probably pull my bolt fire out the back. <laughs> pull out my bolt caster and throw a destructive disc at him. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> All right. So that's the the long silly recap on the Crota encounter. It's it's that's from a mechanical standpoint it's really hard to be serious about that encounter because it broke in such silly ways all the yeah. time all you can do is be silly about it because if you took it really seriously and all this stuff started happening you would just hate yourself and you'd rage quit after like five tries yeah so you, you have to have fun with it Crota. in order to deal with yeah. all the <laughs> just... issues and then we have this we'll read this Crota Son of Oryx Grimoire entry but Crota's sort of the same way where we're given these hints that he really is this like super powerful dangerous uh, ascendant hive prince like he he killed thousands of guardians on the moon during Mare Imbrium like he he slaughtered his way across the centuries in the Vex gate network to be considered like this great and powerful demon and yet He's also like an idiot at the exact same time. Like, <laughs> whoops, I can't see you because you're invisible. And whoops, I let a bunch of robots into dad's house. And like, there's, there's such a dichotomy between sort of the image that he's this incredibly powerful being and also that he's just great and powerful moron. Uh, well, I think so it's, it's his two to... titles. He's got Eater of Hope, this epic demon, like fighting and, and then son of oryx uh he's lesser to oryx like and sword of pits sword of pits is another name yeah. that's not a really good name that sounds weird which almost sounds like an insult right yeah, yeah. he's the yeah. pits. <laughs> you sort of pits you <laughs> but yeah so this this grimoire card does this unlock when you kill Kurt? is this is this is funny to me because this grimoire card poses all these questions that we now know the answers to. Correct. But this is sort of the state of, of guardian knowledge at the time of Crota's end. So it's kind of interesting to see sort of where we were and then where we are now with all the Books of Sorrow stuff we read at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, and this is Ikora I Ray. Yes. So is their grimoire card for Crota, son of Oryx. He hides in the dark below, the monster of Luna, the titanic god knight who walked the regolith beneath the sky of green fire and butchered the greatest army of guardians ever assembled. We abandoned the moon rather than face him. Whispered lore and fragmentary theories suggest that Crota represents a distinct class of hive entities not resident in our material world. My latest synthesis of scattered esoterica suggests that Crota's home is a universe created or remade by his power and occupied by hive organisms of immense age. Any guardian formidable enough to return with information on this dark reality might help us understand the hive's goals for our own world. And, more pressingly, such an expedition might provide the key to Crota's defeat. The epithet Son of Crota is an ambiguous translation. Oh, sorry, Son of Oryx is an ambiguous translation, often disputed. At this time, no direct action by hive entities of more expansive power has ever been observed. Those who trade in hive lore bicker over the exact positioning of Crota. Is his world the apex of hive power, or is it the youngest and most accessible of a string of netherworlds, each host to a more terrible hive arch-entity? 
The nature and possible interrelationship of the Vex gate system with Hive Netherworld remains unexplored. Ikora. That's cool. So yeah, it's I guess like, he's the latter. It's also yeah, definitely yeah. the latter. It's it's just cool that that's like where we were at the time, and we have pretty much all those answers now. Yeah. Yes, we do. Thank you. And I like that she mentions any guardian formidable enough. That's Toland. Uh, He did return from the Ascendant Plane, and he did help guardians understand the highest goals for our world. Uh, And he did provide the key to Crota's defeat and even Oryx's defeat. So whether Ikora still believes given everything the way it's played out, if Ikora still believes that Toland is a force for good, he meets this criteria. Yeah, for sure. And we do know that he is literally the son of Oryx. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny reading that now. And they're like, <laughs> oh, it's often tra- it's often disputed. No one, no direct action by Hive <laughs> entities and more expensive power. And they're like, ah, oh, yeah, for it. well, really... There is an Oryx, and he is a little bit more powerful. <laughs> like, and he's huge. Yeah. It's not really an ambiguous translation, is it? It's a pretty direct... That's that's the translation. <laughs> like, and this the last line here, we've referenced this so many times. The nature and possible interrelationship of the Vex gate system with the Hive Netherworlds remains unexplored. That's not totally true in lore, because that is exactly what Osiris was exploring. We get confirmation of that on the Dreadnought uh, when you scan the portal. The very first mission uh, in the Court of Orcs, it talks about Osiris and his quest to find the connection between the two. Uh, so we know Osiris is out there doing that. And we know just from reading the, the Books of Sorrow much later uh, that there is an interplay there that exists between the two of them. There you go. Good work, Ikora. <laughs> it's funny. One of Ikora's idle dialogue things now is she'll just casually say, I have a dozen warlocks watching the Ascendant Plane. They're just hunting you, for Toland. Well, that's interesting because up until, you know, up until this point, given the context of this card, they're sort of not even, even aware of the Ascendant Plane. Yeah, like nobody but Toland understood that it even existed. Yeah. I guess Osiris probably did too, but. Yeah, like they have a vague sort of understanding of that it exists, but they don't know like what it is or exactly it's just kind of vaguely aware of its existence, that it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And now we have Ikora and a, a dozen warlocks who have like a window into it. So. I just pictured them all sitting there with like <laughs> binoculars looking. Well, I wonder if that was provided by Toland, if it was Toland who, who came back to them and said, because we have that card that says Toland is smuggling back Nightmare Arcana. Right. And that's one of those things where it's like, hey, here's here's a mirror stare into the mirror and you can stare into the ascendant plane like who knows what Toland has found or created out there and like what kind of nightmare scenes do you see like staring into the hive ascendant plane it's just like (laughs) watching this race that murders itself to show that it loves 
its own family. Like, ugh. I can only imagine uh, it is like Event Horizon. This is this is why Eris envies our nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make Toland Doctor Weir from Event Horizon? <laughs> He's home. Kind of. <laughs> no, because I mean, he didn't build anything that took him there. Yeah. A dimension of pure chaos. Pure evil. I won't go back there. I love that movie. Though. I haven't watched it in, in several years. <laughs> but yeah, it's a cool one. <clears throat> but then we get... Uh, then the Taken King happened. Yes, it did. And we got this grimoire Oryx, the Taken King. Where he says, where is my son? Where is Crota, your lord, your princely god, your godly prince? Tell me no lies. I feel his absence like a hole in my stomach. Where once his tender tribute wetted burrowed mouths, now only hunger remains. Hear me, O waning stars, O tattered rags of sky. I will stopper up this tearing gulf with vengeance. So yeah, Oryx is mad that we did this. He is. And you get the sort of sense that he's mad... In the practical sense, because his tribute has been cut so harshly yeah. <laughs> by the loss of Crota, and you get a sense that we killed his little boy. Like that's not cool. That was and pretty I think rude. That I think also was one of the big, big things that came out of our conversation with Seth when we were talking about the books of sorrow. Was that at the time a lot of the discussion was like, why would Oryx even care? Because according to the tenets of the sword logic, like. His kids were weak, so they had to be destroyed. Like, that is like that is what the philosophy teaches you. Oh, you died because you weren't strong enough. You deserved it. Right. And we got this sense a bit from Seth talking about that, where it's like, even if those are the tenets of your faith, it doesn't preclude you from feeling something for for those you have lost, especially if they're, like, your kids. You know, for... For or even though Oryx is like this nearly omnipotent, one step removed from pure darkness, hive taken god, king of shapes, first navigator, superpower, uh, we kill this kid, and no matter where you get, at some point like that, that comes back, and that that hits you right in your your withered little black heart. <laughs> Well, I suppose with that as well, not just the grief that we killed his kid, but then the grief in his knowledge that he knew that his kid wasn't good enough for the final shape. Yeah, like, he was I'm a bad sure father. he'd be he'd be grieving he knowing that, you know, Crota is not part of the final shape, that he yeah, failed as a father, like he said. So I I think that would be part of it too. Not just, Oh, my son is dead, but oh, my son wasn't good enough. How could I have let this happen? bad i mean it was his first kid so <laughs> wait a minute as a first kid what does that mean it means that you're not gonna raise the first one perfectly you got there's mistakes <laughs> will be made just spawn another brood of a million and one of them will probably make it <laughs> it's true i'm the firstborn of my family i know <laughs> mistakes were made there you go so when 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 six random people break into your house and start shooting up all, all your stuff, 
your parents would be like, well, I mean, we did our best. I mean, we kind of said that she wasn't good enough. Oh, oh well. Yeah. But, I mean, who can really plan for that? <laughs> you think the hive, do you think like Savathun or Jivu sent Oryx like a condolences card? Where it's like, dude, Oryx, we're so sorry at the loss of Crota. It wasn't your fault. Nobody expects those maniacs to break into your kid's house and just shoot the place up like they did. Give Basket a sympathy card. There's nothing you could have done. We're like the Spanish Inquisition of Destiny. Didn't expect that. Not even a little bit. All right, well, speaking of going into the place and shooting it up, the only reason we do all this, even though Eris implores on us, that is, for vengeance and revenge and to defend all of known humanity, we're just doing it for the stuff. Yeah. Same mm-hmm. reason we do everything in this game. Mm-hmm. For the stuff. We want to we want to kill them all and take their stuff, just like Oryx. Correct. Uh, so, yeah, we took their stuff. Let's talk about the stuff that we take. All right. We'll start with Warlock because this is a unique look for Warlocks. It was awful. <laughs> this is a unique, <laughs> awful look for Warlock. Actually, it's just the helmet that I hated. Like, the robe was kind of cool because it was like, whatever, yeah, this is like a, a tattered, hivey, death singer thing. Okay. But the helmet, man. Why am I wearing a hive head on my head? But you don't ask that about. The Vex gear from the vault? No, because it looked so cool. (laughs) It really did. (laughs) Besides, they're robots. That's different. I guess that's true. Yeah, it's not not fleshy. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, Death Death Singer's gaze. The unnerving awareness of the Watcher being watched. Now... Yeah, most of these perks are random. The the one that matters here was Moment of Power. Yes. Uh, which was gain a temporary increase to weapon damage while Oversoul's gaze is active. In those 15 seconds you had, or 10 seconds you had to shoot. Yeah, it specifically exists to help you save a wipe. <laughs> yeah. Isn't there one that also increases reload speed while that? Yeah, there is. Um, moment of Speed. <laughs> yeah. So the um, the gloves were Death Singer's grip. Uh, grip the universe, reshape it, disregard the screams. And the thing that was special about this was special weapon loader on legendary gloves. It was a thing with raid gloves way back That's in true. year one. <laughs> Not just specific. Nope. Blanket special. Yeah. Awesome. So good. Uh, for the chest, we had Death Singer's mantle, fashioned from war prizes taken in Crota's hellish cosmos. Yeah, specifically, right off of Irut, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we got moment of speed, gain a, gain a temporary increase to reload speed while Oversoul's gaze is active. Well, the uh, gloves which, also the gloves had the Hive Breaker, Striker, Destroyer perks. Like hive breaker. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Punching, that's right. but and it was that that was random, right? So that was killing random. a hive with a melee attack has a chance to spawn an orb. Killing a hive with a critical hit has a chance to spawn an orb, or killing a hive with a grenade, grenade has yeah. a chance to spawn an orb. Now, are the 
the three different class armor sets, all these perks are the same, right? All I the believe, gloves are going to have yeah. that. All the helmets are going to have. Okay. So yeah, the chest has the chests have moment of speed, gain a temporary increase to reload speed while over soul's gaze is active. If you had to reload, it was already too late. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, the warlock boots were called Death Singer's Herald. Uh, frankly, it's surprising that these don't hover, <laughs> which I guess is a wizard joke, because wizards hover. Well, it's funny because the flavor text don't. on the other items are very, very sort of hive. Yeah. Well, uh, not the mantle. Like That's the just lock. like, what is this? Well, it's fashioned from stuff we took from Crota. <laughs> oh, I mean, I guess that's true. Uh, but the, like the grip. The grips and the helmet, yeah. And then this one is just like, I, there's like a hunter is saying this about a <laughs> warlock. <laughs> yeah. You took those from me. It's weird that you're not floating. Frankly, it's surprising these are not. <laughs> <laughs> right, right so, off saying, they see. have legs. This was the most important from, perk. Yeah, this is from year one, so these boots, these are raid boots from year one, which means they have heavy weapon ammo on yep. them. Blanket heavy weapon ammo and sword bearer's touch. Sword bearer's touch gain a temporary increase to agility while carrying the sword of a hive sword bearer. Those two perks combined are just amazing. Yeah, you basically had to wear raid boots. I mean... Yep. And as a warlock main, I had no reason to wear exotic boots in year one. Or you year had two. no exotic boots to wear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the <laughs> we're not gonna talk about that because the ones I have now are awesome. Yes, they are. They're amazing. Um, <laughs> and the bond was the bone circlet, a memento of the world Crota ruled. Yes. And of course, bonds had no perks in those days. They were fashion items. Yeah. Yeah, bone circlet is an interesting piece. Uh, the model on the bone circlet can also be found on the bones of Ao. So. Yeah, yeah, which I know has made people wonder if the bone circlet was, did that mean that was Ahamkara bones? And it's like, uh, or is it just a reused asset? Reused asset. Like, yeah. There, just below the right knee on bones of Ao, you can see the bone circlet model. Yeah, it's like, you know, things do happen in, in game development where there are time crunches and sometimes you just need a bony thing to go right there so you find a yep. bony thing and stick it there yeah somebody said do we have do we have circular bone assets and somebody said yes there's a bone <laughs> good <laughs> if it Put fits it on here. an arm it fits on a leg <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you can dodge Sorry. a wrench you can dodge a <laughs> just watched that movie a couple days ago. Uh, nice. Oh, fresh. That's a good one. Yeah. But yeah, that's the warlock set. And yeah, it made you look like a a wizard. A freaking death singer. It does, yeah. If you're a girl, though, it doesn't give you a yacht's chest body. Disappointing. No. <laughs> yes. She's a <laughs> voluptuous woman. That, that an omnigal. Like, dang, Crota, I know how to pick him. For your sidekicks. <laughs> Has well, I can you say Omnigul arguably had a lot of mouths to feed, so <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure it doesn't happen that way, but <laughs> hey, yeah. who knows? Why wonder, have those makes me wonder why they why they are shaped the way they are shaped. 
considering the anatomy is vastly different. And it's all, like, I, bone armor anyway. I don't... Yeah, that part of hive anatomy, I just don't <laughs> understand. I don't understand in general, and I've always thought this ever since watching Star Trek as a kid, the original. It's like, why are so many alien species bipedal with, like, a head on top of a neck, on top of shoulders, with two arms... Okay, cool, the hive have three eyes. But, like, what? why is that generally humanoid well, I mean, form? Um, Omnigal and Uyot don't. They don't have three eyes the mm. same way as the others do. Oh, not like a, no, not like a knight does. Yo, okay, but why do they have boobs? What possible <laughs> reason could when, there be? And Crota got to the moon, and he's, like, looking at Earth, and he's like, damn. So, you know, you, you girls know how to change your shape, right? <laughs> You can change your appearance, right? This, you've discovered the final shape. Yeah. <laughs> That's the final shape. The final the fi shape is... The final shape Large is and round. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never, under, I've never understood... I mean... And I remember in Star Trek... So the reason in Star Trek was... Oh, yeah. Was because actors had to play them. Yeah. That was the reason. Because there was no computer graphics. There was no real special. There was makeup and costumes. So unless you're like a Tribble or the the Blob Monster, you are a, a humanoid representation of an alien. But when it comes to video games and things like that, there's no reason why, why this is such a common form. Uh, but who knows? Maybe there's some, some in-lore reason yet that we haven't encountered. We're all hive. Yeah, or or the light and the dark all come from the same place, and that sort of influences the effect that they have on the races that they they imbue with power. So. Well, I mean, the fallen don't look like that. You have they've known and cabal, and we have known females and males in both those. Right, but the cabal are large bipedal humanoid in structure they're just really big and and yeah, then the, and fallen the fallen are, are very just humanoid, people with just extra with arms the double arms yeah fallen are, so they have boobs well they don't like though because you fight the baroness and stuff and she doesn't have boobs that's true poor fallen yeah yeah they're missing out that's why they're really fallen that's why <laughs> so they're chasing the traveler so adamantly bring back yeah. the golden age of boobs <laughs> Uh, are one of you hunters read this hunter gear? I'll read it. Uh, at least the Vex, the Vex have the harpies and the hydras, which are okay, I'm okay with non non bipedal humanoid forms. <clears throat> okay, hunter gear. Uh, unyielding cask is the helmet. The weak will be consumed. Uh, same unique perk, moment of power, increase the weapon damage while the oversoul is active. Uh, if you're going to wear this thing, you were really hoping it rolled with, uh, is it infusion? Yes. Uh, yeah, better already didn't come until year two, right? Yeah. The perfect roll is inverse shadow and infusion, generally considered. The hands were uh, dogged gauge. Uh and that dogged, dogged, all the the adjectives here refer to sort of like this 
unrelenting or tenacious or so in this case dogged or dogged is just having or shown tenacity and grim persistence unyielding what yeah one doesn't need sleeves to keep knives inside them which is weird <laughs> you don't Where need sleeves keep... to keep knives inside sleeves or inside well one? that's the thing like inside one wolverine <laughs> There you go. He's a man who needs no sleeves to keep clo- knives inside him. Uh, yeah, them. They, it, weird, ambiguous pronoun use. <laughs> but sure. Uh, same thing. Hive breaker, hive striker, hive destroyer, uh, and special weapon reloader. Uh, although they had this cool thing, though. There's this perk down here: incisive maintenance. Causing damage with a melee attack reduces your grenade cooldown. That term is not used anymore for that particular perk. Yeah, but that perk uh, definitely still exists. Yes. What's it called? Uh, it's certainly not called incisive maintenance, which is an oh, awesome yeah. term. <laughs> mm. uh, I'll tell you exactly what it is because I have... Surgery. I've thrown away about a million pairs of gloves with this perk because I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. I know I have, I mean, yeah, melee damage and cre- reduces grenade. I know I have, I think my nothing manacles have that. <laughs> so maybe it is still called incisive maintenance. I've just never seen it, but I don't feel like this is something that rolls that, that often no, or not with yeah, that name anymore. I don't anymore. think it's called that. I think it has a, that's just like increased grenade throw distance is no longer called fastball. And well, that changes that changes based on your class. So for warlocks, it's energy projection, but for hunters, it's fastball. Oh, okay. Because that is a, for me, that is a key perk that I roll on all my my weapons. So let's yeah, I'm see. so used to saying energy projection. It's now in, what is it? It's grenade energy. Melee attack reduces grenade cooldown. Yeah, so now it's called impact induction, bonus grenade energy on melee hits. Yeah, there are a lot of little perks like that where the names have changed, but the effects seem to be the same. I can only assume that's them like tweaking the amounts of things, and it's easier to just give it a new name maybe than to change the existing perk. I don't know why the names would change so often. Yeah. So oh, it's, it's like in- better al- better already in infusion. Like I guess there's a subtle difference between the two. Yes, there is. But it's. I mean, it's effectively pick up an orb and heal. Yeah. So impact induction is now the name of the perk across all the different classes. But for example, because I roll this on on all my on hunters, grenade throw distance is fastball. On warlocks, it's energy projection, and on titans, it's paramuscular armature. So Ooh. three different names for the same perk. I just but looked it incisive up maintenance. Briefly, incisive, incisive maintenance, maintenance is on a heap of things. But yeah. not not a year two or year three stuff though. Um, no, I don't think so. No, it's all year one stuff. Yeah, because you can that used to roll on like the iron regalia gear. Used to have that. It's on like everything. Uh, <laughs> just just from this search I've done, it's like everything. There you go. All everything legend, has it. Legendary stuff. No, all everything. <laughs> So, and then we'll get to my favorite piece of gear in the entire game, the Relentless Harness. 
The splayed claws and empty thrall of a thrall cried defiance to the hive. I this is I think is the coolest looking body armor in the game. Yeah, it's great looking. That was my dog sneezing. Uh yeah, it's got the thrall. It's got like the necklace of teeth. It's got the thrall skull on the hip. Uh, it's just such like a a really well cut like. I mean, I say it's slimming, but it just gives a great profile, like a great body structure to the hunter. I, of all the gear, I wish they would bring back, whether it's through transmog or re-upping the raids at a higher level or anything. I wish they would bring back relentless harness because it is such a cool looking piece of armor. I think the only other arm, piece of armor that I think comes close to looking this cool uh, is the Iron Companion Vest, which has the dog tags on it for Hunter. It's a really cool looking piece of gear. Mm. <clears throat> but yeah, Relentless Harness. I got. remember the first time I got it, it was the last piece of armor I got from this raid, and I got it. I never took it off. Like, it was just such a good looking piece. Uh, same thing, Moment of Speed. Uh, mine had hand cannon shotgun, I think. Nice. Close and personal. Yeah, well, it wasn't too bad for year one. Hand cannons were a thing of beauty. Yeah. Uh, then the legs were tireless striders. Uh, if there is no road, then it cannot be long. Same thing. Heavy weapon ammo, sword bearer's touch. Boom. Oh, did we even talk about the heavy ammo glitch? No. In the soul crystal room? I don't think so. All right. The cloak here was Shroud of Flies, which I think is also a really cool looking cloak for hunters. Uh, yeah, real quick. Do, 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 do. Heavy ammo glitch in the soul crystal room, because I think Gabalashi made reference to this, like people standing around firing off all their primary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you could basically force the game to give you heavy ammo. You could absolutely force the game to give you heavy ammo. Yeah, without question. It was nuts. So, uh, and that was really, really, really important at Crota because basically you had a firing line of Gallarhorns needed to take his shield down so you would get starved out for heavy ammo. Uh so you could force the game by emptying your guns. You could for basically force the game to give you heavy ammo, uh, and there would be purple blo blocks everywhere inside the soul crystal room that you could use uh, during the Crota fight itself. Yeah, it was like if you if you emptied out your primary and your heavy and used an icebreaker. Yes, like everything because. Um, I, yeah, I don't know if it was because Icebringer didn't pick up special ammo. For for some reason, that combination, everything you killed would drop a heavy block, basically. So people would empty out all their ammo before you gather around the crystal and just use Icebreaker on all those ads. And then you would just walk out of those rooms and end up with full heavy every Fill up single time. Yeah. yeah. But so that inevitably meant if you were in a group that ended up wiping a whole bunch every time you wiped, the first thing you would hear and, and was everybody firing their hand cannons off into the distance. Because, of course, everyone was using either a Fatebringer or a Word of Crota because everybody used hand cannons in year one. Yep. 
And hand cannon to the least amount of ammunition if you were right. not wearing so hand cannon the fastest, gear. Yeah, fastest, fastest way to get rid of all your ammo. <laughs> all right. Well, add that little aside. This brings us to the Titan gear, which is curiously named Willbreaker's gear. Uh, we know now that Willbreaker is the Sword of Oryx. Uh, want uh, me to take the, the Titan stuff? Since you sure. took the Hunter and Warlock, even though I'm not a Titan, I've never run Crota's End as a Titan. <laughs> I don't have any of this gear, but Willbreaker's <laughs> Watch uh, it says, the, the Howls of Terror mark your arrival. Um, and it's got moment of power, again, that increased to weapon damage with the oversoul. And rain blows, which increases your melee attack speed. So, so melee, I keep saying that. Melee attack speed, which is like, <laughs> you know, crazy titan punch time. And yes, um, the Bungie, ar uh, Bungie Armory actually has Quintessence transfer listed twice. Oh, it does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Twice Weird. in a row as well. I did just double check that um, as part of the random selection. So uh, rain blows. That's another one. The increased melee attack speed. That's another perk that's different based on your class, right? Like that's snap discharge if you're a warlock. Yeah, if it's your walk, it's snap discharge. And it's switchblade, I think, for hunters. Right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, which makes sense from like it wouldn't. Yeah, just from what the uh, melee attack is as, as each one like. As a titan, yeah. you literally do rain blows. You just you just punch until they're dead, right up close in their face. And you hit them so hard they see rainbows. <laughs> rainbows, rainbows. Yes. I like uh, to imagine it's a titan putting their hands together and then slowly opening them in an arc to the left and right, and it <laughs> makes a rainbow. And then when a person <laughs> is busy staring at the rainbow, a fist comes right through the middle of it and punches. It's just like. Uppercut in the gut. <laughs> or it's like a little storm cloud appears and then just rains fists out of the top of it. Or bottom of it. <laughs> uh, nah, that's too long range for a titan attack. <laughs> <laughs> Some tricky warlock attack. Yeah. It sounds like a tricky warlock attack. Um, okay, so then the gauntlets is Willbreaker's Fist. They're all, all named Willbreaker's. Um, which is take what is yours, which does sound very oryxy. Mine had hive breaker on them. I just nice. we just stand around punching thralls to make orbs of light. <laughs> That's beautiful, and it's got special weapon loader, generic special weapons, and those um yep. those generic ones they stack with the specific ones, don't they? Yes, they do. Which is awesome. Yeah, that was one of the big transfers from year one to year two things is that the ammo special carry more special ammo stacked with specific, specific yeah. special ammo and so then the reloaders also stacked. Oh, uh, yeah. So you have, yeah, ammo and reload. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, because I think and I had something I... from year one that was like a heavy, um, heavy loader and then I had a faster load machine guns or something and it was just like ooh well this is this is a hand cannon speed reload right here like it's pretty awesome and that's how you could get I think 15 shots with the sleeper simulant as well wow. yes. yeah that's right because the armamentarium has the generic carry more heavy ammo perk uh, so if you had 
But that's also happened, though, because Sleeper got ammo from both Fusion Rifle and from Heavy. Mm, That's right. Yeah. So. Yeah, you could stack the generic special ammo thing from Armamentarium with Fusion Rifle boots and get a whole lot of Sleeper Simulant shots. What I want to know is... My transverse of steps have increased heavy ammo on them. And memory of Radagast increases sword ammo, and those two things don't seem to stack effectively. The heavy but the heavy ammo from Armamentarium also does not affect swords. So it's like swords the exception there. Swords yeah. seem to be the well, exception. I guess you don't you don't lame. reload them or anything. The mechanic of how a sword's ammo works is a little different. So maybe the game sort of treats it differently. I just want more sword swings. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. I'll take it. <laughs> but I guess from from an actual like realism point of getting more magazine ammo, it would not affect a sword. Because it doesn't have a magazine with ammo. <laughs> Let's just swing it till Don't it stops. Don't crush my dreams. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Why are we doing this? It's so funny to see you get the... um. The, one of the three swords and just like pull the crystal out and put a new one in <laughs> cock it that's keep right. going <laughs> that's right everybody the three swords the three the three, three exotic swords exotic swords well because the ones with crystals in them that I assume are powering it or the three that matter the three that matter, the three that matter. Yeah, yeah the important ones I'd be I'd be happy to have this perk affect the amount of ammo used during a super attack reduced from like five to three or something like that yeah That'd be cool. Anyway, what about two? Um, oh, they have rain blows as well. Those gauntlets, so you could have yeah. two of those and all the blows. Um, okay, will break. Well, yeah, this was this was when helmets also had could have roll of melee perks on them. Yeah, yeah. I was about to think in that's that's one. interesting that it had that, but then sorry, they did it in year one. Uh, then we have will break will will breakers resolve. Um, the chest, which is their blades break against your heart, um, which is interest interesting. The like putting this in who's, the context of Oryx and Willbreaker. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like this is all Willbreaker sort of related. Is this reference to Willbreaker itself, or is this reference to? The armor that you're particularly wearing, I'd I'd love to sort of imagine that this is in reference to, and at this point, something that we've never even seen in the game before, uh, this the power of Oryx's sword here. Mm. And that's also got moment of speed and uh, random stuff. Yep. Um, and then will break his greaves. The ground shudders beneath your feet, which had. Heavy weapon, generic ammo, carry, and sword bearer's touch again, which is in g- agility carrying the sword. It's it's funny, yeah. Just I'm still thinking, like in the context of Oryx, like the flavor text on all these. Their house of terror mark your arrival. Take what is yours. Uh, blades break against your heart. The ground shudders beneath your feet. It very much makes me think of Oryx and defeating him more than Crota, anyway. Yes. Very interesting that it was there. And it's also interesting to me that yeah. the... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to move on, so continue. 
that the uh, the Titan gear is very much a high knight uh, mm. when you wear wear it all at once, and then the the Death Singer's gear, the Warlock gear, is obviously very much wizard, and then the Hunter gear is just like somebody who hunts these things like <laughs> yeah it's, it's high v because you kind of got bits of thrall bits of acolyte like yes yeah, i got your skull on my belt and your teeth around my neck like i'm, yeah, the, I'm it, the big game hive hunter yeah really the other two are like, we are the thing carrying the pelts <laughs> well that's it's interesting that oh i just quickly put the mark of the pit because it has no books yeah. and Torn from a vanquished wizard, it flutters in windless air, which is cool, because eternal superhero cape without needing a fan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting mentioning about like appearing like the wizard, appearing like the knight, because drawing the comparison to like hive classes and our classes as guardians, like I, I was always thinking of. The, the three sisters, Zivu, uh, Oryx, and Savathun, as being very similar to the classes that we play. Zivu, Mighty War, Titan, and Savathun, Knowledge and Tricks, Warlock, and then Oryx, Exploring, Navigating, is Hunter. But they don't have... Oryx's... who he is, doesn't have a hive enemy that is like that. Like, there are knights Correct. and there are yeah. wizards, but there's not a third that is an explorer-navigator type. They have the ones with tricks and they have the ones with war, but... I don't know, it's just an interesting thing that, that then... that you've pointed out with these three armor sets we get from the, the raid, that the titans dress up as knights and the warlocks dress up as wizards, and yet the hunter just sticks body parts like woo i killed stuff <laughs> and it's because there isn't like a third major hive enemy that yeah, like a represents third, yeah, that navigator a... type that explorer type which is the hunter class yeah. i don't know i always i always yeah. think of that comparison between the three sisters and the classes it's no i totally agree uh it's just and especially given the third now there's with this incredibly close connection that we have now with the hive and their hierarchy and what we know about them uh, and all these aspects to that civilization that there isn't a direct allegory uh, mm. so they seem to be even more so than the fallen the hive seem to be the closest to us in that regard well i think it's also like you you've discussed before like to an extent we have a little bit of the sword logic we killed stuff we get powerful and so we're much closer in that way or almost like doing the same thing yes. on two sides of the good evil argument yes and what then also is sort of like as mechanics as well like the whole game is based on it's like i kill things to get more powerful and i want to be more powerful so i can kill more things in this sort of like endless looping cycle of must keep killing to get stronger but what's the point of getting stronger? Oh, it's to keep killing things. It's, it's to get better. To get I mean, Oryx's whole goal is to become so good and so efficient at the wholesale destruction of everything else that, you know, he remains the sole pinnacle of these things. And that's exactly what Guardians are trying to do. Yeah. It's like, oh, I want to 
kill things to get gear that makes me better at killing things to get the gear that makes me better at killing things to get the gear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I've always thought that interesting comparison is that the, the three natures is similar to the natures that are inherent to the classes. Though we're not bound by them. It's certainly stereotypically the Guardian's classes are the the knowledge-seeking, tricky, and fighting, and exploring, navigating, curiosity. Well, I mean, we are kind of bound by them in the way that, yeah, like, we, a hunter can't use warlock techniques and a warlock can't yeah. use titan techniques and things like that. That we're not going to die if we if, <laughs> stop doing it <laughs> in the same correct. way. Correct. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's just, it's just interesting to, for me as a hunter as well in the game, like, not having that, like, seeing that comparison... Zivu knights and Savathun wizards and Oryx doesn't have um maybe Croto is like the only sort of representation of it like Oryx is sort of sword fighting but there's no other third hive um enemy of that tier that matches up with that navigator class and therefore hunters no, as well Anyway, there certainly just, is not. Just my own thought, sort of thoughts. But yeah, there you it's, go. It's so interesting that, armor, that it's sort of reflected in the armor. That armor completes the long tradition of us wearing our enemies like clothing, which is weird and Yay. creepy. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> hey, you put it on. Yeah, but it was gross. <laughs> All right, man, we, we still got a lot of weapons to cover yeah, here. Yeah, we did so. This is true. So, weapons. Um, so every Crotazin weapon had the Hive Disruptor perk, right? Which yes. was increased damage to Hive Majors. Um, that's right. And it was it was an it was an upgrade note. It was not an intrinsic perk the way that they I think work on like the Wrath of the Machine guns. Right, the, the increased damage to fallen on the wrath guns is intrinsic. This one you actually had to upgrade to. Same with the vault of glass guns, you had to upgrade to get the the specific vex damage perks. Uh, like, yeah. Oh, what was it? Oracle disruptor, I think, on those. Um. So the first one here is the word of Crota, which was the hand cannon. Uh, its description was: there was life, and he spoke unto it, and it was silent and lived no more. I love that flavor text. Um, it's it is cool. It's uh, this was also being a year one raid weapon. Uh, the primaries all had uh, they all also did elemental damage like specials and heavies. I miss those days. Yeah. Back in those days, so so word of Crota was void, and um, man, since by this point auto rifles had been nerfed so badly and. The void primary out of Vault of Glass was an auto rifle. This was like the best void primary. Yep. Especially in year one when hand cannons were amazing. Um, I I remember people being a little bit disappointed with it just because it wasn't Fatebringer. But I mean, what is? Exactly. Other well, than the Amaga loop. But. <laughs> well, it's not like Fatebringer is like the perfect role in a hand cannon. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this cert this was not. This was this didn't beat Fatebringer, but it was a really fun gun to use. Uh, it was yeah. a faster rate of fire, lower impact hand cannon than Fatebringer. 
Um, and it had a really great perk set as well, right? I mean, Zen Moment for stability, Explosive Rounds, Speed Reload, Hammer Forged, and Phantom Gift, which is just a fancy name for Triple Tap. Yes, before um, Triple Tap was even a perk. Yeah, yeah, Triple Tap didn't exist. And and that sort of mitigated, um, well, it had Speed Reload, but like Outlaw was so important on Fatebringer that Phantom Gift giving you that extra round, that sort of achieved a little bit of the same thing since you didn't have to reload as often if you got those uh precision hits so i mean the big the big thing on fatebringer is that the the damage caused by firefly is a is directly tied to the impact of the gun so fatebringer as a hand cannon just had so much impact that the not only is a headshot just destroying everything around your target, but also giving you that snappy reload. Yeah. Fatebringer was magical. I used mine the other day when we did our Crota run, <laughs> and it was awesome. But yeah, Word of Crota was really good. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I took Word of Crota into the Crucible recently because I had the stupid Thorn quest. Oh, is it awful? It's awful. Oh, awful. God. Which is a shame. It used to be such a good fun gun. I still bust mine out. When I have like get void kills or get arc kills or whatever, I always just grab a elemental primary out of my vault. So it's a good old vision of confluence for solar, word of crota for void, and then either Fatebringer or Fang of Irut, which we'll talk about. Right now, actually. Or Wolf's Leash, which I also had. Not gonna talk about that now. Yes. Fang of Ute, Scout Rifle. Uh, this is the shape and the point of the tooth. Nothing has ever lived that will not die. Also great flavor text. Mm. Yeah, now, so we're referencing, well, we're not referencing, but this sort of gets called back to in the Books of Sorrow, right? Yes. Um, off the top of my head, I'm failing to remember, what does one of the... Ear, ear halak or ear nut give crota what a tooth shaped like death or give yeah. oryx a tooth shaped like death yeah yeah just double checking which one that was <laughs> um shapes points so you know, yeah shapes points verse four seven obvious title there yeah tooth- what have you made for me it is a tooth shaped like death I will keep it in my mouth. What have you written for me? <laughs> it is the course of the Nika thought ship. I will track it down. It's a trap. <laughs> yeah, and even in the one we read um, before about Crota, when he was like born or whatever, he was talking about um, like the blade and the tooth. Um, mm-hmm. We find that. Yes. Yeah, which are the tools of survival and the means of ascension. So it's like that tooth of death is like part of part of what they believe, I guess. Or which is why the tooth necklace around the relentless harness for hunters is so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like that's so the flavor text on Uyot is this is the shape and the point of the tooth. Nothing has ever lived that will not die. So it's almost like one of their beliefs laid out. In a way. Yep. I love the scout rifle. It felt so good to fire. It's a great archetype. 
I got one. I never used it too much because um, I was using hand cannons. And if I wanted a an arc primary, I was going with Fatebringer. Yeah, it's a similar archetype to Vision of Confluence. It's not quite as smooth as Vision. Uh, yeah, Vision had Zen moment, right? Yeah, well, Vision had what full auto Zen moment and perfect balance. Yeah. Which was bananas. It's like a scalpel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fang of Irute had Spray and Play or Target Mark. And Target Mark was a unique perk. That literally marked your enemies when you shot them. They'd get like a little green thing above their head. So you could yell at other people to shoot the thing with the green thing sticking out of its head? I don't know. I don't know. Wasn't high. There, there's not a lot of instances in Destiny where you lose track of an enemy that small who's that dangerous. Yeah. It's like if something can kill you in one hit, you can probably see it from a hundred miles away because it's enormous. Uh, anything else is not like there's no heavy time crunch really. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, so I the only the, thing I could. Oh, sorry. <laughs> No, I was going to say, the only thing I think of where that would be super useful are in those instances where the sword bearer would hide like behind rocks and stuff, and you've got your oh, whole team going, where is he, where is he? Well, if you had somebody with Fang who could see him and shoot him, everybody would instantly know where he was. Unless they missed and hit a thrall, and you just throw your whole team off. So uh, <laughs> Everybody's firing Gellarhorn at a thrall. <laughs> Yeah, that would be pretty useful, actually. Because you, sometimes, if you get distracted, you can lose track of that sword knight. So, and these are the days before you had a keen scout on Hunter. Yeah. So the, the other three perks were field scout, high caliber rounds, and perfect balance. So HC rounds used to be really powerful. They, they got nerfed pretty hard a while back. And Field Scout used to be way better. Field Scout used to be amazing. Yeah. Uh, Field Scout didn't increase your overall ammo capacity. It increased your magazine size. Uh, that was changed a while back. But that was what allowed some bananas. And I think this got nerfed because of snipers. Because sniper rifles could carry so much ammo in the mag. That it was just unfair. Uh, I think there's the... The legend of the perfectly rolled Ephrodite spear. Uh, I had not a perfectly rolled one, but I had one with spray and play, field scout, and clown cartridge. Oh, jeez. So field scout gave Ephrodite spear, I think, a magazine size of five, and then clown cartridge could re-roll it to seven. <laughs> That's uh, insanity. On reload, yeah, it was pretty crazy. It's almost so, like you you wouldn't want final round on that one because you're gonna have so much you're gonna have so many rounds. Yeah. Well, that's why yeah. I had spray and play on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was evil. But yeah, field scout and field scout like affected Thunderlord too. Thunderlord, the we talked about that in the exotics episode where the that sort of spinning up perk that Thunderlord has uh, tied to its. Uh, Thunder rounds 
you could hit a higher tier of sort of rate of fire and destruction with Thunderlord because you had you had I think eighty rounds in the mag because of Field Scout at the cost of uh, stability. But it's the same here with Fang of Ear Ute. I believe Fang of Ear Ute. I'll tell you exactly how many it carries. Fang of Ear Ute. Uh, 15, I believe, is the mag size. So Field Scout probably pushed that up into like the 21 range, I think. Which is a huge mag for a scout rifle. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I think my Kakaitis has like 12. Yeah, my Hung Jury has 17, and that's pretty high. That's, yeah, that's that's with extended mag, right? No. Yes, that's with... Yes, okay. No, no, it's with a... Or is that just no. normal for it? Hung Jury has 17 normal. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, Mita Multitool still has 21 rounds. Yes. So. And intrinsic high caliber rounds. So. So Fang, I mean, Fang was a cool gun. Good archetype. Uh, basically, if you're a scout rifle player and you were used to vision, you could switch over to Fang of Ear Ute uh, and have an arc version of it. Not quite as stable and streamlined as as vision, but comparable. And the next one is Oversoul Edict. Oh, this gun. I don't think I still have one. <laughs> I think I have all no, of these I don't. in my vault. I definitely still have Word of Crota and Fang of Iryut. Yeah, Word's the only one I have anymore. Uh, well, although lots of people have the year two version of Oversoul Edict. Oh, yeah? What's that? The Grasp of Malak. Oh, that's right. They are basically the same. In the same way that the Imago Loop is Fatebringer, Grasp is Oversoul Edict. They look almost identical, and they're the same Oh, archetype. yeah, that's right. So, yeah. Yeah, all, the, all these raid guns were just like the same model I think what Fang of Iriute is almost an exact copy of like the another nail in the coffin that style scout rifle just with like weird high stuff strapped on yeah. it <laughs> same as Eris's ship yeah um, whatever that weapons. stuff is the hive just like sticking it on things the next one we're gonna, yeah the next one we're gonna talk about which is looks even dumber but let's get through Oversoul Edict uh, <laughs> The light of the Willow Crota shines down like a vast and inverse sun. Which is weird, because if the sun was inverse, the light wouldn't shine down, would it? But Also, when I think of a vast inverse sun... Well, you yeah. think of Soundgarden? <laughs> the black hole sun? <laughs> Oversoul Edict rolled with full auto, which was great on a pulse rifle. Uh, then you could choose between Fitted Stock, Snapshot, and again, Field Scout. And it had a special perk called Dark Breaker, which means its projectiles would overpenetrate through Hive Night Walls of Darkness. That's in case you're ever too lazy to move left or right. Yes. Shoot right through them. <laughs> Shoot straight through it. <laughs> when you're going to save me taking a couple of steps, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I never ran with Oversoul Edict, mostly because it was ARC and I used scout rifles a lot. So I had Fang and Fatebringer. There was no reason to run Oversoul Edict. Yep, yeah, I still have that in my vault. 
Actually, I just looked it up. Everything except the next one, the auto rifle. I've got the first three. Nice. Uh, Abyss Defiant. <laughs> the ugliest auto rifle in Destiny. This poor gun. It's good Big, giant, derpy skull on the end of it. <laughs> <coughs> well, its flavor text is, we will not go quietly. Uh, it's solar. And I don't remember what archetype it was, and we didn't notate that stuff, so... It's not a rifle, which means at this point in year one, everybody hated it. Yes. It's uh, man, it's hard. If you didn't play in year one, it's hard to even communicate like how savagely auto rifles got nerfed. Yeah, because they're usable now, even if they're not like the best thing. Like You can still use one. Like, what's the, the Wrath when Genesis chain? It's kind of fun, especially because it has Firefly. Abyss Defiant is high rate of fire, low impact. Yeah, it's an 88-8 archetype. Okay, okay. Well, its first selectable perks were either Focused Fire or Hip Fire. Uh, then it had Lightweight, Single Point Sling, or Perfect Balance. And then, so this this little fantasy word, I don't even know how you pronounce it. Lich. Are we going Lick Lich. or Lich? Lich, I would Lich. assume. Lich? Okay. Lichbane. Projectiles have a chance to disorient hive wizards. Lich Which is, is hilarious. Which being, in... right? Yeah. Something like that? I don't know. Yeah. A lich is like a... I mean, don't they always look like skeletons? Necromancers um, use them? A type of undead creature commanding yeah. death. Blah, blah, in blah. In fantasy blah. fiction, a lich... Uh... Should that have a T in it if you're going to pronounce it lich? Nope. Like witch? Whatever nope. English language you said. Yeah. <laughs> Evil form of undead, usually wizards. There you go. So that's yeah. why it disorients wizards. Okay. And and they would totally just like float around and like yeah. wave their hands around like... Ah. Yes, the only time I ever saw anybody use this gun was um, at Iryut. Um to screw with the other wizards that you bait out at the beginning yes. of the encounter just to make them float around so they wouldn't shoot at you while you sniped them other than that I don't think anybody ever used this also worth noting all these weapons only dropped in hard mode primaries were hard mode only yeah I mean I guess maybe somebody somewhere used this on a solar burn Nightfall one day, but then they got laughed at until they pulled out their vision of confluence. Yeah, and then their their team had both had vision of confluence and was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and really, you're just supposed to primary Galahorn if it's solar burn anyway. So exactly. <laughs> but yeah, or icebreaker, or icebreaker. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Good old icebreaker. Mean. All right, so the specials and heavies were only available in the normal loot pool, which is going to be weird because we're going to talk about one that was the greatest gun in the history of all guns. <laughs> you could only get it in a normal mode. Yeah, well, first we'll talk about this gun that I got the other day in our run, which was Swordbreaker, which is the yeah. shotgun, um, which I actually enjoyed. I used it mostly to kill Praetorians to open the Vault of Glass, but you got it from Cartizan, so that was cool. Um, it's flavor text is if you're going to face down a knight with an ascendant blade, bring an ascendant gun, and it was void, which is why it was so good against minotaurs. Yes. This um, is a classic Cade quote too, by the way. 
Yeah, yeah, it really, really does. Um, didn't have yeah. anything like raidish, like raid uniqueish about it though, right? It has Grenadier and Final Round selectable, and then lightweight flared Magwell and Hammer Forged. It was no, just a th- shotgun that was void. This was the the Minotaur. This is the Praetorian sl- slaying gun. That's what yeah, this thing was for. That's basically it. <laughs> like I remember when this first dropped and I got it. I think on the very first run I ever did with Crota, and people were like, I can't wait to go back and do Vault of Glass now because this thing just destroys Praetorians yeah, and Minotaurs. Great. Back when it was hard to open the Vault of Glass. Yes. Well, also there weren't a lot of heavy hitting void weapons no because there are like no void well there were like no void exotics except truth and nobody wanted to use truth because it wasn't galahorn yep so having a solid void shotgun made vault of glass way easier i mean and before telesto was the truth was the only void exotic before telesto wasn't it i believe so yes Jeez, poor Void of the Dark Well, yeah, because even the now there's just Dark Drinker, Truth, and Telesto. And shotguns are really good against Minotaurs as well. Yes. Just because they like to Cause charge at you action. and you can just, like, wait for them to do a little blink and just... Dead. Bye. <laughs> Otherwise they get really annoyed. But yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I think probably... This next gun's special perk was so good that it just counted as this gun's and as Swordbreaker's, and that's why Swordbreaker didn't really have one. Most likely. This was the essential. This was part of the essential loadout, the year one god loadout. Black Hammer. It was a sniper rifle with the flavor text, I cannot permit you to exist. (laughs) Which is, like, oddly appropriate yes because after a certain point this gun was basically not permitted to exist in its original form so it would roll with mulligan uh at the time mulligan was a horrible perk mulligan was awful it works now back then it never worked uh it's a solar sniper the real perk here is white nail Rapidly landing three precision shots will refill the magazine from your reserves. Uh, that's the new description on it. That's not what it was originally. Originally, rapidly plan- landing three precision shots would refill your magazine out of thin air. <laughs> <laughs> Magic bullets. It's like, here's all your bullets back. Quite. And that made this thing, this is what, this rivaled Icebreaker. Because where yeah. Icebreaker had infinite shots, because they would regenerate over time, as long as you could hit precision shots, you never had to lay off the trigger on Black Hammer. It was just vicious. <laughs> uh, so for things like Fallen Walkers, where you always have that stupid leg that counts, you could just endlessly shoot into the leg of a Fallen Walker with the Black Hammer until it dropped, and then endlessly shoot into its brain with your Black Hammer. <laughs> Never lose ammunition. It was the boss destroyer. Yeah, it was. This is a mean gun. A really, really mean gun. Uh, and what was the the god the god loadout was Fatebringer, Black Hammer, Galarhorn. Yeah. Unstoppable. <sighs> Become legend. 
Yeah. <laughs> for one year. <laughs> and these only dropped in normal, didn't they? Not hard. Yes, Black Hammer only, only dropped normal. Yeah, so, and it was weird. You'd have people who would specifically want to do normal because they're missing some of these guns. Yeah. I don't have Because you guns. just couldn't get them on hard. Once you started doing hard, you only got primaries. That explains why I have three primaries sitting in my vault and only one special from this raid. So, but, you know, this is this is really curious, though, right? Like, I have a sniper rifle that has perfect balance, snapshot, flared magwell, mulligan, and white nail. But it takes up an exotic slot. It does take up an exotic slot. <laughs> yeah, this gun came back. Uh, after, I mean, it didn't quite come back, but it came back as an exotic. Uh, the black spindle. Yeah. And... This whole time, unbeknownst to all of us, because we Black Spindle was discovered by the community by accident, there was actually a clue hidden in the Black Hammer. <laughs> so, uh, the Black Spindle comes from, is it Lost to Light? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh... And there's specific criteria you have to meet that opens a special door that leads to a taken catch. But if you had a black hammer and you disassembled your black hammer, you would get a rune. Uh, and the description is, This strange rune was left over from when you dismantled the black hammer. Its markings are hive, but I can't make any more sense of it. Ghost. Well, it turns out that you can match those runes to the runes on the door that lead you to the Black Spindle. Uh, but again, it was discovered completely by accident by the community and not because anybody followed. I don't think it's even painful to now to dismantle a black hammer. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's... Oof. I do feel it's bad for them, thing. though. Like It's like they set out this whole treasure hunt and then the people are like, okay, go. And then they just kind of walked over and tripped over the treasure chest at the end. I'm like, hey, cool, treasure. They're like, but I spent so long making this treasure hunt clue to clue to lead you there. You just trip over the yeah. treasure at the end. Not to not to lead us down too big a rabbit hole. It's exactly how it, it seems like the... <clears throat> the employees in Westworld feel when they craft like these crazy storylines for all of these characters. And then the, the, the visitor just walks in and like shoots the guy in the face. Yep. It's like, I spent hours giving that guy an amazing backstory and you just murdered him in 10 seconds. And that, I mean, that's similar here. Like, Oh, let's hide this black hammer rune inside the black hammer. So we disassembles it. They'll find the rune and they'll have to track down the rune. And really it's like, I'm just going to speed run because I'm sick of doing this stupid mission. Uh, also, Oh, why is that door open? Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> okay, whatever. I got the crystal. Now I'm going to run very fast and just run, 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 run. Oh wait, a different door is open. Yeah. It's not difficult to just discover. All right, this is the fusion rifle. I never got this thing. I don't think I've ever even seen this gun in the game. I have it, actually. This is the only one of Light the of heavies view. and specials I have. Oh, there you go. Well, then you can read this. <laughs> okay. Uh, Light of the Abyss, the fusion rifle. 
In the dark beyond the Hellmouth, there is a terrible need for light. Um, and it does arc damage. And it has crowd control, which is nice perk. Uh, which is kills with this weapon grant bonus damage for a short time. And then the scopes and the other perks, you could have either speed reload or skip rounds, which is ricocheting on hard surfaces, um, which slows down your weapon handling. Um, or enhanced battery, which is increased magazine size, but you can only pick one of those. Yeah, this one didn't have any cool raid perks. But does, does skip rounds actually work on a fusion rifle? Well, like, could you bank these things like you can with sleeper? I don't know. I'm going to try it. I'm going to get this gun out of my <laughs> vault and I'm going to take it down to that um take it down to that awesome tunnel in a freehold station. That's a great tunnel oh, for yeah. ricocheting things. I played with sleeper in there for a while. Because I've seen skip rounds from other guns, like actually ricochet, but I've never seen a fusion rifle ricochet. I mean, other than sleeper. Mine also yeah, has other perks than what's listed here. I'm just looking at mine in my vault. Really? What does yours have? It also has hip fire, and hive disruptor. Well, they all have hive disruptor. Yeah, it has hip fire too, though. Hmm. Yeah, you have crowd slot? control. You have, you have the scopes. You have crowd control. Then and probably selectable damage. with crowd And then you have the three choices: speed reload, skip rounds, or enhanced battery. And then, as the next one along, it has hip fire. Oh, and then one after go. that has a choice of upgrade or hive disruptor. So you can hip fire ricochet. Awesome! I should bring this out Seems and play legit. with it since I have it. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny that I have this. I I wouldn't expect that because um, I I think I got it the once I ran Crota's End not hard mode. Because I confess I didn't actually run Crota's End until the Taken King. Because I did you just do to fill in backstory? I didn't have the Dark Below until the Taken King. Oh, I had um... vanilla all through year one. <laughs> <laughs> And all, all my fire team going, oh, I want to come. Oh, you can't. You can't play this mission with her. They're fine. Stay behind. And so then I got the legendary edition with Taken King. And so I was taken through Crota's End in hard mode pretty much first off. Does that mean you also didn't play House of Wolves? Yes. I didn't play House of Wolves until the Taken King. So when you talk of um, Petra being around and all that, I didn't have all that. Oh yeah, it's. I remember seeing her, but I couldn't do anything with it. <laughs> as long as you got to hear the line today, we're delivering explosions. No, <laughs> actually, it's the very first House of Wolves mission. Oh wait, yeah, it must have then. I haven't played House of Wolves stuff in a while, like actual story stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I miss. So it's funny hearing all these because it's funny hearing you guys talk about these weapons because. You hear, like, talking about how good they were. And to me, because I, I got these in the Taken King, <laughs> like, after I'd leveled up a bit. They're all useless. And so, to me, like, these, I keep these weapons in my vault because it's almost like I was doing an archaeological dig and I found these weapons. <laughs> and, oh, isn't it fascinating? Look at this. I'm going to keep it on display. I've never used them. <laughs> it's just, Aww. like, really cool. That, oh, look at these weapons. Ah, oh, you one stuff. Exciting. 
And so, yeah. And it's funny hearing you guys talk about how good they were. We thought we were talking about the Baltic glass weapons. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, we talk about Fatebringer every other show. <laughs> well, okay, if we have an episode where we don't either mention Fatebringer, Toland, or Osiris, it's not an episode of Ghost Stories. That's That's true. At least one of those has to be mentioned every episode, regardless of topic. We will tie it in. I don't think I have fake real. All right, you want to take this next one, Gabble? Sure, sure. I like this one. I had to use it a lot. <laughs> that is The Hunger of Crota, which was the Crota's end rocket launcher. Its slaver text was, Would you defy me? I am the eater of hope. Uh, it's a solar rocket launcher that always had tracking and cluster bombs. Um, so back in these days, a rocket launcher with tracking was pretty rare, unless it was exotic. So to have a legendary that would always drop with tracking was a pretty big deal, um, especially since you needed a number of rockets, generally, to take down Crota's shield and make him kneel. Um... And then cluster bombs being kind of like the garbage, like, dumb cousin of Wolfpack rounds. Yep. Uh, this gun became known as the Ghetto Horn. So if you didn't have a Ghetto Horn, people would then be like, well, do you at least have a, a hunger? I guess you can be on our fire team if you've at least got a hunger. <laughs> <laughs> The guy with the hunger is always the one that got sent off to behind the tower to smack the wall and distract the boomers, too. Oh, you don't and have a Gallahorn? No, we don't even want you to shoot Crota. Just go smack the wall. And didn't <laughs> Hunger of Crota have a skull on the viewfinder? Yes. And sometimes if you were aiming it and you jumped and you landed, like your scope would, the gun would dip. And the skull would just be like full screen on your TV. <laughs> Super spooky. But yeah, right above the, the viewfinder, there's just a, hive, a little three-eyed hive skull. There you go. Not creepy at all. Not creepy at all. Right by your face if you're looking through the thing. You're basically pressing your face on a hive skull. I like it. Yeah, it's pretty good. And the last one was the Song of Ear Ute. It's the heavy machine gun. It is the song of endings. This was an arc uh, heavy machine gun with grenadier and dark breaker, which is the perk that allows the rounds to overpenetrate through hive night walls. Uh, and then hammer forged flared magwell or high caliber rounds. Uh, I feel like this gun lost out a lot to Thunderlord. Like, why? There wasn't really a big... If you're going to run a heavy machine gun, like, Gallarhorn was the king of the heavy slot, so even equipping a heavy machine gun was an exercise in folly if you had the almighty <laughs> Gallarhorn. Uh, and if you were going to swap out that exotic slot, you might as well do it with Thunderlord, which was a, which was a beast back in the day, so... Well, Song and of then, your, if you wanted your icebreaker or an exotic primary and you wanted a machine gun you were gonna equip corrective measure anyway yeah because that thing was just ridiculous 
It had so many bullets. <laughs> so many bullets. Because corrective measure, again, came from Vault of Glass, had Field Scout. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is with Field Scout surplus and persistence. Like, that gun was a monster. So there wasn't a lot of room for Song of Ear Ute to really make an impact in the heavy slot. Yeah, and I feel like it was one of those, like, super high rate of fire, low stability machine guns. Yeah, and it was I pretty just, low. I hate those. And also, you didn't encounter a lot of arc shields in Crota's End, or even in the Vault of Glass. Yeah, no, it's just captains. Yeah, so... There wasn't a lot of... Again, not a lot of time where... If you were, if you were in an arc burn, you know, you're probably running Fatebringer as your primary. Fight, and then... Yeah. Found Verdict you, as your shotgun. Yeah, found verdict for a, <laughs> and Thunderlord. Like an arc longbow. Yeah, and Thunderlord. And that was the Like maybe maybe you'd use patience and time as your exotic, but it's like why? Or plan <laughs> C if you were really ballsy, but <laughs> No. But like longbow at the time in year one longbow had a higher impact than uh then patience and time, so is that really a point? But man, yeah, arc burn, fate bringer. It's over. You, you yeah. never had to change off your primary. Super over. But yeah, then it dropped all these other things. All these other. Well, it it could drop all these other things. <laughs> okay, I've had all of these other things drop except one. <laughs> And it's not the one most people are going to think. Oh, that's going to make me sad if it's going to be the Grave Robber. But It's the Grave Robber. Oh, <laughs> I've man. Never, I've, I've completed this raid something like 75 times and never gotten a Grave Robber. Oh, that's so sad. Three cruxes, no Grave Robbers. I don't know if I've got a Grave Robber or not. I don't think so. So the Grave Robber is the Sparrow. Yep. And the, the S13 Grave Robber. Uh, there are many who seek to cheat death, but few, but so few capable of outrunning its dark embrace. This is one of the ones with overdrive. Yes. Yes. Which was annoying in SRL when they had that, and people started bringing these out, and like really gambling with it to use overdrive, and it was <laughs> it was a good advantage, but. As it says, it says hold blah button to reach greater speeds, but at some risk to your general well-being. Which I just thought was a really nice way of saying you're going to blow yourself up. <laughs> like, you explode. Yeah, they during, also set, like, the fastest times. Yeah, SRL, th these, the Grave Robber and the Time Breaker are pretty much unbeatable when it comes to pure record setting in SRL. Mm. They, the people who know how to really push these overdrive sparrows right to the limit are the people who just banged out those impossibly low times. Yeah. Which is funny, because, like, as a base speed, I didn't write what the base speed was, but I think it's slower than the SRL sparrows you got, because they were considerably faster than other sparrows before it. But then with overdrive, it was much faster. 
Well, it's also the over the reverse overdrive way of driving a Sparrow, which is, you know, a lot of us, what is it? It's you hold down the gas and then use the boost to get extra speed, but in an overdrive Sparrow, you can hold the boost down and pump the gas instead, and then you're hitting max speed much quicker at a lower risk of blowing yourself up. Mm. But it takes a lot of sort of like being right on the the timer with the button presses to do it. Yeah, but the people who mastered it, they were oof, yes. masters of SRL. Like those people who have yeah, and those people who have mastered Sparrow flying, you can just go anywhere they want in the game. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, a lot of not a lot of love for Grave Robber either when it first came out. People were just mad that it was a reskinned Timebreaker. Yeah. They're it's not. Got a time breaker, they're not so. um, great looking. Neither of them no. are. They're pretty um, generic, boring looking sparrows. Like, especially when I think the SRL ones came out, and they were yeah, all they've fancy. done a much better job recently. Yeah. And they've they've not only changed the shape entirely, but they've got effects on them, and it looks really cool. And it's like. They could have at least changed the shape of these from the generic sparrow, put little wings on the side or something, I don't know. Well, but. now we have the broom. Like, how awesome is the broom? We only have the broom for, like, one more day, right? I know, it's so, so sad. So we don't really have the broom now. I, I'm trying not to think about the broom. I've already separated Aww. myself from the broom. But we've already decided that there were placed the broom with Crotosaur that we ride the surfboard. Yeah, that's okay, I can deal with that. <laughs> Leaves a trail of tombstones behind it. <laughs> Oh, when you when you boost, it should just make the tomb ship, like splitting, noise. Oh, that screeching, yes. slicing through noise. Yes. <laughs> that would be awesome. And then the horn is Omnigal's shriek. That would be like the most annoying thing to be versing against. You feel like the biggest troll on that. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I just I'm felt down. like these were it. really boring sparrows like i remember at the time <laughs> wanting to get them going oh i really want overdrive that'd be really cool and then kind of looking at them and going oh is that it well it's just a it's just a brown sparrow in it yep. <laughs> like, it's not even a cool bright green or no it's kind of black and well does grave robber even have the the green trail behind it no i don't think so i think they're just generic sparrows. i don't know i don't have one I'm asking the wrong person. <laughs> I think they just... Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, it changes color. Once you start mashing on the overdrive, it yeah, turns into, like, that's true. the the mashed-up Skittles death color. Uh, <laughs> all right, other things that drop from this. Glowhoo. Gross. Glowhoo, was, that was a hard-mode shader, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still wear this. I wear this when I run Electric Warlock. Yeah, I have it on my warlock as well. Cause on my hunter, I just turn brown and teal. But on my warlock, I have a glowing cape. Actually, on the hunters now yep. though, now that cloaks shade, cloaks are almost always glowing with glowhu. <laughs> well, the hard mode wrath of the machine shader is basically red glowhu. So oh, if you like the thing glow-hoo. is awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous looking. And then the normal mode shader was cryptographic. Yes. Which is actually like red and white. But the icon for yeah, it's like is, a weird This is like one of the um, three... thumbnails or lies sort of ones. Yeah, yeah. super misleading. <laughs> yeah, it's like three flavors of flesh is what the thumbnail is. But 
weird peaches and tans and yeah but the actual one was like red and sort of gray and white or something yeah. wasn't it yeah i just dismantled one earlier and i didn't even look at it <laughs> <laughs> go to your kiosk look at cryptographic I'm, I'm, I'm and then put it on in front of it yeah yeah there's a uh, there's a couple of shaders that have really misleading thumbnails there's a lot of sparrows and ships like that the colors mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. images in the thumbnail are completely misleading to what the actual thing looks like. It's no bone marrow, that's for sure. That is for sure. Mm. Uh, there's Crota's End, the emblem. Just a green, the V's in it. Uh, and then there's, well, there's the two ships, Light of the Abyss and Bane of the Dark Gods. Uh, Light of the Abyss is from out of the dark, up into the light. And Bane of the Dark, dark Gods is I Stand Defiant. Uh, and Bane of the Dark Gods, uh, I still use this. I, my Warlock flies one of these. It's Eris's ship for the most part. Yeah. And then there's the last one. There's the Crux of Crota. Which should be the rarest drop, but like I said, I've gotten three to go with and my zero... Grave robbers. Grave robbers. And there you go. Uh, Crux of Crota, obviously a very important part of creating the Necrochasm. Uh, we talked about that extensively in our exotics episode. Uh, we didn't quite talk about the... I mean, we did talk about the quest to get it, so... Yeah, yeah, we did the whole thing in great detail. <laughs> yeah, so if you're interested in the Necrochasm, go check out the exotic primaries episode for auto rifles where we talk about how ridiculous this thing was to get back in the day. And, and how disappointing. <laughs> yes, and how that was amazing for a week. And then that was that. I still have uh, it. And that... I was using it when we did Prison of Elders the other day, just to annoy people on my team who didn't have it. <laughs> <laughs> Just to create explosions everywhere and make them paranoid that there's still cursed thrall roaming around? Yeah, because this is like a week ago, more than a week, just a week and a half ago or something, we were doing, uh, oh, it was a while ago actually, two weeks ago, <laughs> we were doing um, old Prison of Elders stuff because we want the Grimoire cards for it and I was using Necrochasm because <laughs> nice. I'm like, oh well, it's the right level and yeah, it's it's not great. I just stuck with it because it was fun being annoying. But it's not a great <laughs> It's not a great gun. I'm not a nice person. So, and that's that's Crota's End. Yeah, uh, that's it. You know, and what it just took us six hours to cover in two shows, you can do in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. In the game. But you, you, you know, can... you'll miss seeing lots of cool things. Yes. But hey, you might get some exotics. This this raid was great for people who were hunting exotics. Yep. Because there are lots of opportunities for them. Indeed. Yeah, I had, a, I had a guy in cheese. my clan who, yeah. There was a guy in my clan who we had a joke, a running joke because it was like every time I ran with him, specifically I was like guaranteed to get an exotic. So I would I would just seek him out every week and be like, okay, I need my exotic. You have to do this run with me. And it worked out almost every week. 
I got my first last word from Crow Descent. I think the only one I can specifically remember was my first Red Death that I pulled out of the chest before they moved the drop to Irute. Oh, nice. And uh, did you... Did, actually, I posted his video the other day in Slack of loading into the stills, running straight to the first door, and pulling a Gallahorn yeah. out of that pulling chest. Pulling a Gallahorn out of the chest? Yes. Yeah. Ridiculous. Jerk. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, man. I watched that and I was like, it's going to be a Gallahorn. It's going to be a Gallahorn. Oh, it's a Gallahorn. I hate you. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he earned that one. Earned. Whatever that means in a video game. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that wraps this one up. Um, and that completes the entire first expansion, The Dark Below. Yeah, which means I don't know what we're going to cover next. Yeah, we're... we're I mean, we we skipped the most obvious thing that we haven't covered yet, but which is the very first raid in the game. But we'll leave that for another time. Oh yeah. Uh, Lots of one options. day. Yeah, one day we're eventually gonna have to. Maybe we should just mash Dwindler's Ridge and the Vault of Glass together. No, no. <laughs> we just we just spent six hours on Crow's End. Vault of Glass is gonna be like nine hours. It's gonna be three At three least. hour episodes. At least that that whole raid is and huge and nuts. Dwindle's Ridge will be like a whole week's worth of just <laughs> yeah. Dwindle's Ridge will be like <laughs> trying to dude explain and another everything. dude and another dude and one of those dudes killed another dude and we don't know. Bye. <laughs> I just I just did the that's it. We did it. We did there it. You, you just did the we episode. Did it. There you go. So as a <laughs> Easter egg in this one, we just did the Dwindle's Ridge episode. There we go. Well, we'll add, we're going to add some music at the start, which will be the last word firing, and then we're going to add some music at the end. It's going to be Thorn firing. End of episode. Done. There's no such thing as Rose. <laughs> this is. Shots there you go. This is like uh, music with a hidden track on the end yeah. of the other song. This done Windows, with Dwindle's Ridge the on the end of, of Crota's End. Of Crota's end. <laughs> <sighs> That's I'm going to get yelled at for that, huh? There you go. Oh, well. I'll hear Maybe. from I'll hear from Slack on Tuesday. I, th- I, thought, I thought you summarized it pretty well. It's just the <laughs> Dwindles Ridge, the abridged version. Bridge version. There's another <sighs> dude and another dude. Killed yep. this dude, we don't know. That's it. Well, cool. Yeah. Uh, that, that finishes this one. We should do some house cleaning. We never do this. Yep. So we're at Stories on Twitter. You can find us at www.destinyghoststories.com. Where or a host can, of other fun options. Or or some other secret options. Um, on our website, you can request access to our Slack, and somebody will invite you, and you can join the shenanigans. Literally, the channel's called Literally. Shenanigans. And, uh, this channel. Yeah, if you tweet at us, you'll get responded to by our personal Twitters, probably multiple of them all at the same time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You can also find playlists on the website if you're looking for a specific show. Like we talked about the exotics uh, in this episode. And if you're looking for, instead of hunting through our Podbean, if you want, you can go to the website and all the exotic episodes are all right in order. You can sort of, like if you're just looking for auto rifles, you can jump in on that one immediately to have a listen. Uh, once this episode is done, which is right now, I will add a full Dark Below Crotus End playlist. Awesome. Nice. 
And then we are, where else are we? We're D Ghost Stories on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook. And we don't have a Snapchat, I guess. <laughs> or, or a Pinterest. Good. Or do a, we, we do have things? a, we do, believe it or not, we do have a Tumblr. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, we also oh, have a Twitch channel. Okay. Oh, we do. That we've only used like three times. Uh, you can find D Ghost Stories on LinkedIn if you want to give it a job. <laughs> if you'd like to hire D Ghost Stories, uh, can we give it a job similar to a wolf? <laughs> Ooh! Wow! <laughs> I hope so. (sighs) All right. I gotta go steal a sweet roll. Nice. Yes. Wherever you get your your whatever the hot new social media thing is today, we'll join uh, it. You could yeah, we'll join it. Uh, Type D. Type D. Ghost stories into Uber, and we'll come pick you up on our time breakers uh, (laughs) or our gray robbers, except for Gabble. Or our Curtis swords. Not our brooms. If you use Lyft, we'll pick you up on our <laughs> jump ships. <laughs> and if you use Sidecar, you won't get nothing. And if Uber is not available, or if, if ride-sharing in general is not available in your area, I'm sorry. There you go. Uh, awesome. Be on the lookout for the D-Ghost Stories Teslas. Uh, Elon Musk will be announcing them shortly. <laughs> we should put the episode up <laughs> Well, I'm sure there's music playing by now, and it's probably loud. Oh, I hope so. Talking. I hope so. I hope this ends with a speech from Elon Musk. <laughs> Stick it in there. All right, that's it for us. This is what almost a four-hour episode, three and a half. <laughs> three and a half. Three and a half hours of us talking almost. about cheese and social networks. It's going right in the show summary. All right, yeah. have a good night, everyone. Thanks good for listening. Night.